welcome back to another edition of the Tetracast. This is RPG Sites weekly podcast where we talk about a certain genre of video games. I'm your host. My name is Brian Vitali. Joining me, we have Josh Torres. Hi, everyone. Nice to be back. We have Adam Vitali. Hello. And Chow Min Wu. How's it going? We might hear from James later. Our current prevailing theory is that he has overslept, but we don't know. So maybe he'll pop in. Maybe he won't. We figured uh, we'll just go ahead and get started and we'll roll him in and if he shows up. But yeah, it's the second podcast in February. We have been underwater in terms of the amount of games that have released. We spent a long time last episode talking about two major releases in Grand Blue Fantasy Relink and Persona 3 Reload. I think we talked about both games for about an hour each. And that was a week after um, Infinite Wealth released in the very, very tail end of January. Me and Josh spent over an hour talking about that game. Uh, so I know a lot of us, including us on staff and likely several of our listeners are still working our way through several of those games, as well as, of course, looking ahead to the middle and the end of the month with some releases big and small. We have, of course, uh, the big data dump and state of play information for the new Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. We have some other smaller scale titles coming out of Don't Nod and uh that other studio that we talked about last week that I forget. Fool's Theory. There we go. Fool's Theory. Uh, but as we kind of closed out last week's episode, we did kind of say that this, if there is a gap in February in terms of like a cadence of releases, this week is kind of it. Like this is the one time that we don't have a, a major release coming out, even though we just were underwater with like three of them. This is the, the like the, the relaxed week for everyone to actually like start playing their games and not worry about any new like RPG releases. This is where everyone's like, you know, okay, I have infinite wealth that I need to get to or relink or persona three reload. Like, you know, they're not crazy like us, so they're like, okay, I actually need to like breathe a little this month. I did follow up. I haven't touched Infinite Wealth for a while, uh, since it came out. But I did read a little bit about people playing that DLC dungeon, the the big swell that I didn't want to pay for because it's me too. Whatever yeah. your thoughts yeah. on there, I have heard that it does have its own like. I don't know how I feel about this. What I've read is that it has its own story. It's and I've heard it's really enjoyable. It's not super grindy like the um like that true Millennium Tower of Yakuza Seven, like a dragon, right. or uh, Yakuza like a dragon. So it's like apparently it's a pretty good piece of content. It's got its own in, like uh, individual like story cutscenes and things like that. It's like okay, it seems that seems neat, but also you got to pay extra for it. It's like oh yeah, okay. it's kind of. I mean, it's like it's like it's not like it's not like core story relevant. It's like it's more like a slice right. of life sort of like side story from what I'm right here. That's but, my yeah. I'm I'm yeah. I'm saying this yeah, not yeah. having witnessed it myself. Yeah. And you could say like well then it's just like any other like DLC episode of another game only it released alongside the main game so it's like yeah i don't know what i feel about that but i, I mm-hmm. i've heard it's i've heard it's fun and interesting so maybe some down the road i'll end up uh, playing through it I, I, that's something uh, we can always play sometime in the later in the year you know it's not an immediate priority for us and and then i do know that you've been playing a lot of the uh i think you had touched your toes into it when we talked about it last but a lot of the relink post game proud mode uh basically post main story because we talked about how that's really kind of a tutorial in a lot of ways. I don't know you've uh, shared in our Discord channel the progress that you and your and your team. Yeah, have made. I, I'm pretty much done with relink in terms of like progression in post game. Like I, I did, I saw everything there was to see, and like the pretty much like the the end 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 game is just 
grinding a lot for how uh, depending on like how much you want to get completion out of like the game right you can grind up like uh, like find everyone's like final weapon because it's rng drop in the final boss in like the hardest proud uh mode um you can uh find like rare sigils through like two other gacha means to like build up your character or other characters so it's really up to you when you decide when you want to like stop that grind because there's nothing really left in the game after you finish that final proud fight and there's like no like there's the upcoming lucilius like end game boss fight coming next month but other than that there's nothing in the game that like would really warrant you to really gear up right right at this moment for that it's really up for your self-satisfaction whether you want to do that or not right i saw you describe it as unlike the mobile game this game doesn't have a character gotcha but it does have and you like listed like three or four other different yeah. like, <laughs> type of systems pretty much is, is that is that how the mobile game works is that it's character gotcha or is it weapon or is it both you you basically get the weapon from polling and if you get the weapon then you get that character so let's say that you pulled the uh murderous which is catalina's main weapon you pull that weapon you get the ssr version of her basically right oh okay Weird. Yeah, I, I don't, but, but how that how the original like browser mobile game is like totally different than the way that its weapon system works because that you that game ten also weapons. Like, it's very yeah. convoluted. You equip ten weapons and you basically add up the skill from each weapon, and that's how your character will roll like how how strong they are. It, it's and the thing is, a weapon grid system, so it's like and it gets very convoluted because it's like different elemental weapon grids like per like character team, right? So. And like recently, like I think within the last two years, it's like was it they added new bosses, but people are just kind of kind of tired of the weapon system because they could only equip so many weapons. So they added three more slots. So now you have thirteen weapons in oh, your gee, arsenal. I didn't think about the additional weapon slots. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. For for these new raids, because like half your weapon slot is take up like by five mandatory weapons because they're way too strong. Uh-huh. Like the Lucilius weapon is one of them. You would always equip that. It's like there's no reason why you're not to. Mm-hmm. And then your grid's kind of flexible from there, right? So eventually people figured, oh wait, I always need at least five of these weapons or something of these other grand weapons. And then you know, then the rest is like, oh, I don't really have much room to play with. So I guess that's why they made all these new battles. It's like, oh, there's three more weapon slots for you to play with. You know? Although the long story short is, we should all be thankful that Relink didn't have the weapon grid system from the original. Cause... It's super convoluted. You try to introduce <laughs> anybody on how to play it, they would not fucking understand it. They would spend hours asking in Discord questions. Even my cousin, who was very addicted to the game, got the blue skin, spent two days asking questions. I could I could read all his lines asking, how does this work? <laughs> it was like, and they would like, read through this wall of text up you were responding to him, explaining shit to him. That's how convoluted it is. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just how some games are, especially long lifespans. Like, like, I have a lot of friends who, like, who are into Path of Exile, and if I were to, like, try to touch that game, they would never hear the end of me asking questions about, like, how you play that you know? <laughs> And then I think, Adam, you've been playing a little bit of just other Persona games in, in kind of your backlog in this week because you're because you're working on a, a, a February release coverage yeah. later, but you had a gap. OK, yep. so. And then the first game that we have listed here in our little like interim games talk section is a game that I heard about a lot about over the last week, but I honestly don't know anything about it except the title. Like this is I'm literally coming in at ground zero on this. Yeah, yeah. And the, 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 the game here, well, I know one nugget of information. The game here 
I don't know if it's topical or not, but it's what we have listed first arbitrarily is Helldivers 2. And all I know about this game is that apparently it is a Sony published game that's done very well on Steam. So I don't know if it was uh, like released to both platforms just day and date. That's all I know. That's all I've that's all I've like read through the grapevine. I don't know what sort of game it is, but I know that Josh has been playing it. So we have Helldivers 2 listed here. Uh I don't know what this game is. Yeah, okay. So educate me. Remember or like well over ten years ago, do you remember a little game called Magica on PC? No. It was it, it was like basically a co-op, like wizards, and then um you kind of put it input your own spell. And the game kind of had like this cult classic fame of like because there's like really funny friendly fire throughout this um, whole four player co op adventure where you can kind of like have to manually input your magic spells uh, and so forth. So uh, back in the day, like Magicka was very big, and that was um, the first game from Arrowhead Game Studios who went on to create you know Hell Divers and now Hell Divers Two. They had a few games in between, but uh, for the most part, they're, they're a studio. That's only made five games since their debut in 2011, uh, which is Magicka. Then there was like Showdown Effect, Gauntlet, which well, the, the 2014 Gauntlet, which wasn't really that great. And then and and then Hell Divers One was 2015, and then no releases until Hell Divers Two. Um, so they're they're pre- they're pretty like there's not like a constant release of new releases coming in from this uh, dev studio. So. The first Hell Divers was really beloved because it was a very unique take on like that four-player shooter uh, co-op genre. It was uh, it had an isometric view. And, I actually, like, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I actually did play that 2014 Gauntlet. I was like, did I play uh. that? Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and a lot of the the thing about Hell Divers and even going back to the Magic route is. Think about hell divers like wizards. They're they are troops. You have a gun and you have a secondary, you know, gun. And, but like most of like the things that you're doing in battle to assist you in battle are called stratagems, and you can think of these stratagems as magic spells. And to uh, to access these stratagems, you have to you know go to your stratagems list, and then you actually have to input like. Like arrow keys, well, you can bind it to arrow keys or like whatever buttons or whatever. But you have to input a sequence, whether it's like left, down, down, up, up, right, left, or something like that. It could be like that, or it could be like just down, down, left, left. Um, it'll show you on the screen, and then whatever input you put into it, um, you'll get that magic or strategium. And of course, you need to have these like equipped onto you before the mission. And then once you use them. They have a cooldown. So one of these strategies could be, hey, send me down a grenade launcher that I can use. So you input the, the button sequence for that. They'll send you down a grenade launcher. It's yours to use. One of these could be like an orbital precision airstrike. So think of that like a big fireball spell. That's clear. That's an AOE spell. So you input that. They uh, And then you have like a marker that you can throw. You throw it out, and then like after a few seconds, boom! A- a- anything that was like near that marker is obliterated, uh, pretty much. So that's kind of like the where uh, Hell Divers uh, separates itself from uh, the rest of the genre because you have like it's very meticulous. Even though it looks like an arcade shooter, it- it's a very meticulous type of game. 
Um, it is also a game that's pretty punishing in terms of like there's like full on friendly fire, not just of you like shooting your other your other teammates, but also it can be things like deployable turrets. You know, you call that a turret, you better make sure you're not in its way because it'll do a few, it'll rip you through. Shred, I have shred. a question. So I've, yes. I've seen a few reviews called this game hilarious. Yeah, where does that stem it, from? So it's hilarious for several reasons, right? Um, one of the reasons, uh, uh, feeding into what I just said, is like there's it has a big emphasis on like ragdoll physics. Um, so like if you, if one of your friends like calls out an airstrike and you were right by it and like they didn't call it out, you'll just see your character just flying up into the air, ragdolling, and they could like get like limb damage uh, from that, and you'd have to like stim up and recover your health. It's just a lot of like um, unintentional accidents for the most part so for example uh, a really recent example is i was playing with my friends the other day and one of one of the things that uh that's on my character is this laser drone um and this laser drone is pretty aggressive about firing uh uh its laser to like any nearby uh bugs around me or any enemies um and it, it'll it'll fire indiscriminately so if you're in its way you're getting damaged you know um so one of my friends was off in the distance, kind of like a good far away from me. Uh, one of his uh, strategies or magic spells was this calling down this orbital laser. Um, you know, it's really, really good for taking down like really, really armored enemies. And it's very, very useful. So he, he was about to, you know, use it on like a nearby threat. But my laser drone was like kind of like all just going all over the place and like just barely nicked him and because he got like stunned from it he called down an orbital laser accidentally on top of him so because of that little nick um the, the his laser drone is just like frying him up live because of uh, a really stupid accident and definitely so I, I get it and like just yeah. sort of like this you know yeah. organic multiplayer right. accident and shenanigans Okay. And it's like like death is like expected. You have like a uh, uh, a re- like in Helldivers two, you have like a respawn or a reinforced limit of twenty, and then after that, it's down on a timer. Uh, it, it's on a based on a cooldown timer from then on, and you can only uh, get back people back into action one at, one at a time. When usually, you know, you'd be able to get multiple of them down at a back at the same time if you didn't have that cooldown timer. So. The game, just like the original, is death is expected. It's like it's very hard, like, to not die in this game because you get pretty overwhelmed with like enemy numbers um, in this game. And of course, the other reason, like, why people find this game hilarious is like the the developers and of course the the user base are very aware of like it's a it's a parody of you know ultra nationalist. Uh, um, messages right there like, like it, 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 it looks like uh starship troopers when i look at it exactly exactly so, so you're you're part you're, you're part of a elite squad part of super earth and they're spreading freedom and democracy uh to uh, other planets filled with bugs and robot and terminator like uh, automaton you know so every all, all the messages you see it's like you're doing this for freedom and for democracy the um you know and all that sort of shenanigans um, so the, the, the big shift here from Helldivers 1 to Helldivers 2 was, well, Helldivers 1 was an isometric game that you, you know, you, you kind of oversaw the battlefield from, like, a, a top-down perspective. Um, 
you're, it's now a much more um, standardized third-person uh, shooter perspective. So this kind of has uh, interesting ramifications uh, immediately. In the first Helldivers, everyone had to share the same screen in the sense that like you couldn't like drift away from each other. That you'd, you'd be rubber-banded together to make sure that you're all, always on the same screen uh, in that uh, top-down view. In Helldivers 2, you could be as far apart from each other as you want. Um, no matter where you are on, like, in the stage. So there's no, like, a sort of, like, rubber banding together to, like, or it's incentive to, like, super stick together, like, in the first game, because the game allows that. Um, and also, uh, a lot of people have been talking about, like, sort of the the model of this game, because I think, I think one of the... Aside from, like, you know, obviously uh, this game has kind of, like, a, an infamous cheat engine uh, called Game Guard, and Game Guard was very much used like in like um early to mid aughts of like a lot of uh like korean games like think of like um like what was it maple story i believe maple story had this um i believe there's also some other korean mmos that had it but but a lot of game guards reputation was from like its implementation of those like earlier titles earlier mmos in that market um, I think of Gunbound when I think of games. Gunbound, yeah, Gunbound also uses it. I'm pretty yeah. sure Fantasy Star Online 2 does or used to use Game Guard. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a take it or like leave it situation in that case because it's a, it's a kernel level anti cheat. And while personally for me, it's been working fine, I can understand people's hesitation to like, you know, have installed Game Guard on their system because it's kernel level anti cheat and, you know, you're, you're taking out the developer's word. You know that they're not doing anything nefarious with it. Uh, you know, it seems like uh, extremely invasive these days. So yeah, and, and but kernel level anti cheat is like nothing new. Like you want to play Valorant, for example, or League of Legends. Like Riot has their own kernel level uh, anti cheat software as well. So it's kind of it, it's getting to that point where it's like almost unavoidable. Uh, unfortunately, for some of these big big releases, I believe Call of Duty uh, on PC also has some sort of like kernel level anti cheat because they're trying to combat. You know, cheaters and try to preserve that experience, um, and and you know, to varying degrees, right? So it's one of those things. Like it, it sucks, but that's how it is. Um, but the other prevailing, you know, thing that people have been talking about this um, up to release, and then it's released. It's like it's it's the first game was already sort of a games as a service. Like a, it's kind of like it was in the early days. But this one obviously integrates like the modern understanding of what a games as a service game is. There's a full on games as a service. There's a there's a lot of things being monetized in this game. But I think I think the way that they're implementing it isn't like the most awful way that like we've seen compared to other titles. So let's let's break down exactly how this works. The base game is forty dollars um, upfront. You want to play the game, pay forty dollars. So. Yeah, you get into the door with forty dollars. What what sort of in-game monetization are you expecting? So there are there are currencies in the game, and they're not all relevant. For example, there are things called requisitions that it's basically like uh, money you get from completing missions, and you can use that to upgrade your ship that will give you new stratagems or like magic spells. Um, so for example, if I want to take new turrets. Or new support weapons. I only need the you those only need requisitions at like an in-game level, and you obviously get like level up, level ups 
um, as you, the more you play the game. And that's all requisitions are used for uh, in, in that. So there's no real-life money payment in that exchange. Um, another currency are samples in the game, and these are used to um, upgrade your sh like passives for you. So there's like a common sample, a rare sample, and like an ultra rare or super sample or whatever. Um, and you collect these to unlock new passives that are like, hey, your turrets will have more ammo, or your turrets will have more health, or your support weapons will now have like more ammo when they deploy and you pick them up. Um, and those, once again, samples and unlocking these passives on, uh, through ship modules. There's no real money exchange there. Um, now, where this gets complicated is there are two other currencies called metals and super credits. So, in the game, uh, and this is one of the things I don't really like about the game, but this is how they decide to do their unlocks. In the game, you have a primary weapon, a secondary weapon, um, and like a booster and a booster is like not not like limited time a booster is like hey when you when you deploy onto like a mission you have all your ammo with you so you have like six magazines instead of like four out of six like i normally would and that applies party-wide another booster that someone can have on them is like uh, a little bit more health on your on your uh squad and that's there's there's no no real money exchange there that's something that you just like unlock pretty much um but you unlock these through things called war bonds. And war bonds, um, the best way to describe them are they're mini battle passes that are permanent. So what does that mean? Uh, for, for reference, right now there are two war bonds in the game. There's like the, the normal war bond, which everyone has access to when they buy the game for $40. And then there's another war bond that's like um, that people who have the $20 more expensive edition who bought it $60 have access to that immediately. But people who have the $40 edition can either grind the currency called super credits to unlock that uh, without any more real, real money exchanges, or they could go to the in game store to buy super credits. To unlock that for like an additional ten dollars equivalent, because it's a thousand. And a, what does having this uh, battle pass get you? So when you have a, a war bond, there are uh, weapons, uh, different grenades, uh, different like capes, helmets, uh, and, and like the, hel the helmets and capes are all cosmetic. The armor has a very very little amount of like a minor effect on it, like. Let's say like you'll have you'll take fifty percent less lib damage, or like you can throw grenades a little farther, which is not it, it's ostensibly trivial uh, for these little for these new armor things. They're, you're usually getting it for co the, the look of the armor, not necessarily for the effects, but you know it does factor into it. Um, uh, but you can also like um, unlock like the items that unlock the boosters too, right? So to unlock the item that like gives you you full ammo for the squad. That's you can obtain that through a, like the normal war bond in the game, but in order to unlock the these uh, items in the war bond, you have to obtain medals in the game. So, for example, um, a gun in the first page of a war bond could be six medals, 
Uh, a grenade might be eight medals. A new cape might be four medals. A new thing for your nameplate might be two medals, and so forth. But you can only obtain medals uh, by just completing missions successfully in it. And then after you spend a certain amount of medals, you can like uh, uh, get like have access to the next ba- page of that war bond. So like on page two, there might be like a cooler looking gun, a new cape, a new helmet. Um, so can you just like buy medals with real money? Is that where the monetization comes in, or what? So you you cannot buy medals with real money. You can only buy super goods. So you can only buy the currency to unlock the access to the war bond, but you cannot buy the currency to actually buy the things in it. That's all obtained through playing it, because super credits only get your foot into the door of opening opening access to the war bond, like the war bond progression. But the actual medals, the that you get for completing missions, those are the things you actually spend to like unlock things inside the war bond that you gain. Yeah, you, I got you, it. You get your access to. I'm following. So Makes that, sense. Yeah, it's 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 dumb games as a service bullshit, right? Uh, that but that's uh, that's how the model is, and the, and the thing that's like annoying about it is like they're gonna release new war bonds every month. They said like on the second Thursday of like every month. And so basically, if you want to gain like new access to like new weapons or new grenades or like or, like anything like that, like all the strategic stuff, that's all outside of the war bond for now. I believe later down the road they said they might put strategics in war bonds, but for now it's completely separate. Um, but if you want to like try out like new weapons and stuff like that, you'll have to invest. So not only do you have to like get the war bond and like spend either real money or like earn earn the currency to unlock that war bond but also you 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 don't have access to it immediately you have to you know play a lot of the game to like get the currency the metal currency to even like unlock it in the first place and some of these can get pretty expensive like like one of the like rifles i i unlocked uh, the other day was like 80 80 medals you know and like that took a, a good chunk of time. That took you know a, a few hours to kind of get that amount of currency. Be like, okay, hopefully this gun's good. Hopefully I didn't like waste how many hours to see if this gun's good or not. You know, um, and that that feels bad. That that kind of feels bad to just like, okay, I want to like experiment with stuff, but I'm gonna have to really grind for it to experiment with stuff. And like the 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 moment to moment gameplay is fun, but it's repetitive as well because well. It's it's a you know any game is fun with friends, but if you look at it on paper, there's not really a lot of like content that's like really came without the gate. Like for example, ever since it's launched on like Wednesday or Thursday, it we're still stuck on the same four planets. There's two for the bugs and two for the automatons, and like with each difficulty level, I I unlocked up until like the one step below the final difficulty level. It's like impossible. And like you kind of see, like I don't know if you unlock if you see new creatures per difficulty level, but definitely when you ramp up difficulty, you'll see some new enemy types. And like obviously, the enemy population is a lot more. It 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 inflates a lot, um, and it gets really tough. Um, and it's just like it it doesn't feel great because like it's it's very intense and it gets really really. I don't know. It gets tedious because you've seen you're 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 kind of doing 
missions you've seen already, except it's just like you've except there's more bugs or more annoying mobs to deal with in them. Like yeah, but like the mission types, I've pretty much seen all the mission types already, you know. And I've seen and I've been to these two pla- planets or these four stages that they had, and it's like okay, they kind of mixed up, you know, a little bit of like how this mission goes, but it it it's something I've already seen, and I feel like. Just the content that they've launched with is fine, but they need to really start adding new stuff in fast because right now I feel like the it's it's kind of dried up for me at this point. I've kind of I, I've 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 unlocked the things I wanted to and like have a good idea of like how I want to play, and there's not but there's not really there's nothing really driving me forward to like you know continue playing a, a lot unless I want I want to grind mindlessly to unlock you know other war bond stuff which is which is which is something you're just like you're just feeding more into these these middle mini battle passes and 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 uh, at least the the one nice thing about these war bonds is they're not limited time things they're all permanent um so i'm so, gonna be honest i didn't even consider that and i yeah i don't really play these games but i know people yeah. have discussed that before where you have to get it done in within like this season or whatever right and then they'll move on yeah. to the next one the the only the only thing that's like on a timer is like this superstore where there's like four or five like cosmetic items that you can get for super credits and they and they and they like switch out like every four hours I think or something like that. Um but that's it. That's the only thing that's like really on a timer. Everything else is like it's it's there, you know. Um and the the fun thing about the superstore is like there's like fake Amazon reviews um underneath them. So you just see like See people giving you five stars. This fucking helmet like saved my life. You know, it's the best. <laughs> yeah, so, but I, I, it's a it's a fun like mindless game with friends. You know, it's it's fun um, shooting down robots and bugs and like kind of getting a feel of like how you want to like build your character, right? Because for me, like I have a laser drone and have like three different turrets and probably not the most optimal thing, but I sure have a lot of fun with it. There are like, but there's like more creative like weapons. For example, like there's some weapons where it, it 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 requires two people to operate. Where like there's like a recoilless like rocket uh, launcher where like you need one person firing and another dedicated person like kind of feeding the ammo into your um, launcher, stuff like that. And I, I think the thing that's really, uh, I I don't know how they're gonna do this, but I feel like there just needs to be. Um, faster traversal options because there are, there's a lot of like missions right now especially in the higher difficulties where you're just like traversing all across stages on foot and it's like pretty slow and like they had they had vehicles in the first one and that was cool and i, I know they, they're teasing rideable mechs again which, which was in the first game they're, they're teasing rideable mechs again in this in this game which is like it'll come later was how uh, when that'll hit, but it's just like it just kind of feels so tedious to kind of just like traverse through terrain from like one mission objective to the next. It just it just takes. I feel like it just takes. It's too slow at the. And it and I have a lot of like nitpicks of like enemy design and encounters and stuff like that on the higher difficulties. But you know, I know it's like it's in early days. It's something they'll work on over time, and obviously listen to community feedback. That's kind of that's the nature of these games. So things current current conditions right now will probably change because that's how games as a service goes. 
And, like, you know, it's a solid game. It's not like... I'm not going to say it's going to change your life or it's, like, the best game ever, but it's a good time with friends if you're looking for, like, just, like, a really fun, fun shooter to just kind of chill out with. Yeah, I know it's not really quite in our wheelhouse, but it's always kind of fun just to have, you know, those goofy, hilarious moments, like Adam said, uh, and with a game that really just encourages that sort of interaction. Yeah. In in an organic way. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's been doing really well for Sony on PC, even though uh, the Steam reviews have been bringing up the concerns with the um, the game guard. Right, right. Yeah, and that that's that definitely, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all valid. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm glad that they are finding success with this. I just hope, you know, they, they earnestly, you know, listen to like what people are saying about the game. I think, I think, I think I'm at this point in the game now where like a lot of people haven't really touched yet. And I'm hoping that like, as time goes on, more of the games, more of the game's problems that I have uh, issue with at the moment will be more echoed out throughout the community once people get there. And the other release for this week is a game that we did bring up in the last podcast or two as a major update to one of those uh, games as a service titles. Uh, And that is Honkai Star Rail. Of course, that released uh, worldwide last year. And just in the last week, we got the major update 2.0. And I know that this takes place in like a galactic hotel. It has some new characters, but that's why we have Chow here, who's actually gone and played 2.0 update. Uh, You've always been kind of a little bit critical on Hoyoverse about like the speed at which they update, at least Genshin. I don't know if Star Royal has been better or worse supported in that regard, but uh, in between you writing guides and massive, you know, undertakings for Grand Blue Fantasy Relink and Persona 3 Reload, you've been playing Honkai Star Rail 2.0. So just let us know what your, uh, how that's going and what your thoughts are on that update for that game. So I, I think this update is solid is uh, we finally got to the new planet. We finally get to go to Pentacony, which is the place that they were originally going to, but they got sidetracked to go to the Lofu uh, Alliance or whatever it was, the kind of like the Oriental planet that they were in in the last, you know, for almost a year. <laughs> this is like their original destination. So basically, this organization called the Family invited them to come in, and it just becomes this whole weird, like, dream world where it's kind of like a blend of reality and dream it's a it's a very strange way to kind of say it um the story is actually like pretty long um you won't be able to like binge through it without i don't know like it's it takes like about five hours to complete the story i would say it's a while is that is, is that like comparable to like what genshin or i, I think or, this is, i think it's a sent sustainable i mean it's like we we only get like piece of it it's not even like the whole thing so from what we get i i think it's i think that's good you know but but yeah so you get invited to go there and then you you have like these like weird plot threads that are hanging with uh a carry-on or it's called yomi in a japanese version uh she looks like the raiden shogun they call it the May and <laughs> xp or whatever so there's a the lookalike and they basically tells the main character like Oh, you got to remember what happened over here. Oh, and... one thing can I interrupt you? Is this character supposed to be the same character between Genshin and Honkai, or no? No, they look this. You know, they look similar. But okay, so I saw I saw internet drama on this, and we all know internet drama. Mm-hmm. Apparently, okay. people 
okay, this actually gets sort of serious. Uh, the, they cast an English voice actor for this. I don't, I honestly don't remember who it was, but it wasn't the same voice actor as Raiden. And people were yeah, upset about that. That I they, think the reason they were they saying got they for... should have the same voice because they're more or less the same character. That, that's what I yeah, saw. Yeah, because in the Japanese version, they do. They got okay. uh, the Sawashiro in both, but in English, it's like you get a Lydra Clark for a carry on, and uh, was it for Raiden Shogun? You got and Yako, which is you know different voice actors. I think the reason why they got different actresses is because there's two different recording studios, so they probably have a different cast for these yeah. members ready. That's that's my guess. But anyways, I just like, you the, mentioned this character and I just I saw this drama from the periphery about the voice actor being different in English. And like what's that about? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah that's a, that's that's a weird drama if they're not like the exact same character then like, you know, I I that's that's kind of a weird thing to get hung up on. From, from an I, outside perspective. Like I, I could see why they're getting hung up on it's like imagine you're watching like your anime and you see, I don't know, uh Goku. It's like in one one Goku it's like, oh, this is not voiced by uh Sean I forgot his last name. <laughs> and then the other one and and then the other one's like voiced by this other guy and you're like and that's kinda like what they're being upset about in my opinion, right? Which is, I mean, nice. I'm not knowing the story of the game, but if it's some, if it's meant to be like this cameo where like it's story relevant in a way, I could see that if someone like if, if there's like a mysterious character like I don't know Trails into Reverie and they voice C with a different voice or something, but like in in this game it seems like it's just kind of like a fun throwback, like they're recognizing that the character looks similar, so they had the same actress do it in Japanese. But some of them, it's like they could be connected. People say the welt. Uh, I feel like I feel like I feel like it feel like it, it gets to that weird situation where like people are feel like they're they're kind of making their own headcanon in their mind and then they're acting upon it because that's what they already decided was like fact in their mind. Okay, yeah. uh, I went to the Allegra Clark's Twitter and uh, she mentioned. I'm gonna post it in our chat here. Um, okay. Uh, she actually made a made a uh, made it a bigger deal than it actually was. She just sort of mentioned oh. that some people were upset and like it wasn't not really a controversy, but <laughs> let me go check this out. So yeah, she she originally called it a controversy about her casting, and then she was she, and then she says this is spun out of hand. I have not been harassed. A little bit of controversy. There are some negative comments I've seen online. And that's about I, it. I think the problem is like some content creators blow things out of proportion, which yeah. is kind of like what the problem with the Hoyoverse mm-hmm. community is. Like, I think a lot of people are familiar with these things. <laughs> like, everything's been blown out of proportion than what what it is. Really, uh, Con- content creators blowing out of proportion. That would, that that has never happened this week concerning Xbox. Nope. Oh yes, <laughs> I am gonna stop buying Xbox products. How dare you, Microsoft? <laughs> like you're just buying a PC. That's it. Oh, but but you know, anyways, that's yeah. kind of like what happened over there. It's it's pretty shitty situation, I guess. You know, but you know what's kind of funny about Allegra uh, Clark? You mm. know, uh, was it you know in Persona Three, she voices Mitsuru in that yeah, as well, she's the right? Mitsuru, right? right? Yeah, you know what's funny? She's uh in the Japanese voice, she's uh, Risa Taneda. I mean, uh, Risa uh, Rie Tanaka, right? Mm-hmm. And for Grand Blue. The Rose uh, Rosetta is also Ria Tanaka, and the English voice is uh, Allegra Clark as well. You see that sometimes, where like an English actress will commonly take roles for the same Japanese roles. 
not always, like, but you do see that occasionally. Always, but it makes sense because they usually have like a similar register that similar I character styles. Kind of funny, so. Yeah. But yeah, so anyways, you kind of go in, you wake up, and then they want you to go to this planet, and you meet this asshole named uh, Venture Venture Teen or whatever his name is, and basically he lets you to have his room to check in from this hotel. Because in the Pentaconi world is that you need to go to sleep in order to go into the world, right? And this whole entire world is kind of like, I think it was supposed to be, the back story was it's supposed to be a prison for people for IPC, but they turned this dream into like a reality that they love. So it became like this place that people love to to spend their time in, you know, to forget the problems. I think, I think the thing is kind of blurry around here because they didn't really explain things too well i think it's like if you die in this dream world it's like what happens to you in real life it's like do you just lose your memories or what happened or do you so i think that's the part that gets a little vague um but anyways they have like the uh this part you meet this girl who's supposed to be a stowaway and this is like kind of the wholesome moment of it and you basically go on like this little date with her and it's it's really sweet actually <laughs> and this date is hilarious this is one part where you're like she asked you to or she asked you that she was gonna take you out for dinner and she's gonna pay for it and you have like all these options you could either like spend her all her money or you don't spend all her money but if you spend all her money it's hilarious she's like she's like very sad it's like oh yeah good taste she's like oh man when she gets sad that you exploit her generosity? Yeah, basically. She has, like, I think she gave you all her budget, and she basically bought everything, and she's like, oh, no. She was right. offering, so, I mean, you can't it, blame. It, yeah, if you didn't spend all of it, she's like, uh, oh, yeah, it's like, I love the, was it, the, the rolls here. They're so good. It's like, that, but they're so expensive, so I only buy once a day. But if you, like, spend all your money, she's like, oh, man. It's like, you have a really big appetite i i am regretting yeah. this <laughs> but yeah this wholesome character uh uh very wholesome i i think they got the i think a lot of people are hype about this storyline because they got the was it the honkai wholesome writer the wholesome writer wholesome yeah his name writer. is uh, shao g i think that's what they call him it's like you'll love it he's the wholesome guy okay yeah. well how, how, how did this come about how did this person um Get this reputation as the wholesome writer in the community. He, he is the infamous dude that kills off all the cast in Honkai. If you yeah, very, Honkai, very wholesome. The guy who kills off the cast. People, a lot of people that play the Honkai uh, Impact Third, he's known as this guy who bait and switches people with this very sweet story that ends up very sadistic at the end, and the characters mm. all end up dying. So people call him the wholesome writer, and he is on board, and now people are terrified of the cast. Because... So it's, so it's tongue-in-cheek wholesome. So, <laughs> so when, whenever, story... whenever you have a character who's a little cinnamon roll, and you think they're, they're you, you got to protect them, nothing bad's going to happen to them, they're going to mm. like die a gruesome death? Uh, probably. <laughs> okay. So that's what this guy is. He's in there. And at the storyline, there are people dying. It's like, oh, it's like this person's dead. It's like, what do we do? And it pulls like this whole kind of like, what's that game called? Dam Dampauranga? Was it? It kind of pulls out like one of those. It kind of pulls off one of those kind of situations. You're like, oh shit. It's like that person we just met just died. Like, what the hell do we do here? And this kind of sets a lot of things up in this game. And 
I'm kind of looking forward to it, you know? Like, I, I don't know. It's like, you don't get kind of these stories these days, so, with the Honkai. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, the, this new update, is, is it like, uh, did you complete its story yet, or are you still going through I'm it? I'm going through it very slow. Okay. But, like, there, it's like, all you know at the end of this uh, story is everyone's a liar, you can't trust anybody. Hmm. It's like, even, even the wholesome character you meet lied about one detail with you so it's like everyone lied about something so at the end it's like who do you trust it's like nobody right so okay i admit like, the evidence 2.0 update did like did they like besides this new storyline did they like uh tweak like uh, or added any new features or system overhauls or anything like that uh, um new system overhauls uh they they streamline the gearing it's much more refined i would say so one of the things with the gearing is like you sometimes when you want to upgrade this material or this relic, you could just jump to like how like what level do you want to upgrade that relic to? It's like oh I can upgrade it to plus three, so I know it's junk instead of like manually upgrading to plus three. Oh, so yeah, see, okay, so it's not like one by one. You can just like actually just jump to it. Because back then it was like you would manually upgrade it, and you don't know like sometimes you don't know if it's gonna turn out be trash or good at the end, right? So you oh okay, to... so yeah, you can preview that now then. And then it'll tell you, and then they make the UI a lot better with the with the relics. Basically, tells you, oh, this relic gained like two upgrades in this stat and one upgrade in that stat, and you know, okay. it shows you all these things. Yeah. And it's much more streamlined, much more refined. Um, for battle perspective, it's like I haven't unlocked all the new content mm-hmm. yet, but they made a lot. Um, like one of the things that people dislike in the couple patches, like oh, it's like I got this new character. But I can't get the materials to upgrade this new character because I haven't reached this far in the story, right? right so yeah. people would try to binge through the story, skip everything so they could upgrade that character, or do some other stupid things to, to get there, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things you could do now is you can instantly teleport to... Um, what is it? You can instantly teleport to where that material give, gives it to you. They let you kind of like access the material but not, you know, all of them, so that you don't have to speed run to get there, you get what I'm saying? Okay, so so they gave you access to, like, only, like, the only part of, like, the materials that's needed to upgrade them, not all of them to get, like, their final upgrades, you're saying? Um, you could get, like, most of them. You just okay. can't get, like, maybe, like, the new relics, you know, for example. Okay, okay. They have new relics, too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, new relics, you have to get through that part of the story one for Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes uh, sense. Uh, but if you want to like just upgrade that character to to their, you know, fullest, and yeah, it's like you could just you know pop in, and at least make them viable enough to get through the story and like play with them through the story. Yeah. Instead of, instead of like feeling like you're hindering yourself actively. So that, that's party. one of the biggest changes, which is okay. which is good. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Because I, I, you know, I don't think <laughs> I think it's very dumb that they always try to gate people. It's like, oh, you didn't do the story, and now you can't do it. Right? I, I, I'm familiar with it because because FGO or Fake Red Order has like that same problem. And like whenever they introduce like a new character that's part of like a new storyline, usually a new chapter in that game brings new materials. But if you want to upgrade them, they they use that new material. So okay, I can't level you past a certain point because you require X amount of this new material that I don't have. I get it. Yeah. So I think that's that's a good feature to have. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think like gameplay wise, there's any like game breaking features 
that are added. I think the newest thing is like you could earn gems from doing the story because every time you pass this part in the story, you collect stickers and you can like put like this little photo where you're collecting all these stickers and like, oh, I'm getting some gems. But, you know, gameplay perspective, it's like not nothing big major has changed. It's just more like you're just playing it for the story right now. Okay. So. That's so, cool. I mean, like that, that 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 feels nice. That like you're progressing, you're you're progressing like for the sake of like you know seeing more of the story. At this point, like you're not like not like doing like a mindless grind of like something. You're just like, hey, I want to see some new content. I got it. I'm just like, and then you're just kind of cruising at it at your own pace. Like I think most of the big gameplay changes has probably happened within the previous patch where they introduce like a different cycle on how to do the end game content. Was mm-hmm. okay. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, if you do the Memory of Chaos, which is like the end game content, mm-hmm. one of the things is that instead of going, like you had to clear each floor until you get to 10 and then you clear it, then you clear all of it. Now it's like, if you're strong enough, you can just clear from floor seven. So you jump the first six floors and just go straight to the end kind of thing, right? So Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. You could like so... kind of speed run through it, right? And then... They also changed like the timing cycle, how how they come in. So now these content lasts for kind of like a month, and then there's a different version called Pure Fiction, which is like kind of like a, a time attack in a way. You know, it's like you're trying to do as much DPS as possible through these mobs within like a certain time limit, right? And I know, what, more... I know one of your like main like gripes with Honkai Star Rail. Um, ever since release was like the the pace at which like new stories were added to it. Like, do you think this will uh, th- this will be enough of a gap not to, like tie you over to the next thing, or do you think, or, or have they addressed anything that will say, hey, we're gonna try to like kind of speed up at with at the rate at which we, this like game gets new content? Because I know one of the things that like drive you mad about this game is like, man, it takes forever for like new new things to drop in this game. I, I think the problem with the last version is like, I think they should have just. You know, either delayed the game a little bit to have more story release at launch, because the way they was released was very stagnant. It's like, why do you have this story end in the middle of nowhere, and then I had to wait f- like nearly four months to just get a little piece of it, and then another four months to get a little piece of it, and then you're like, this is very, I don't know, it's kind of reaching, I guess. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're saying, yeah, 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 yeah. it's kind of like yeah. what I dislike about it. Um, yeah. I hope this one is a lot more evenly paced. It it, it kind of ends with a lot of questions as well, and I hope they deliver it because it, it is very promising right now. And you know, and things are promising. It could it could fall flat in your face, right? And it's also it's also a better momentum too. It's like okay, you guys, you have like your player base like really excited to see the next part. But if you're if you're taking like five months to deliver that next part, you're you're kind of blowing it. Because yeah, it's kind of like what happened with the main story in Grand Blue as well. Like, I used to love the main story in Grand Blue, but the pacing has just became really awful because back then you used to get like a lot of story within three months. And then it took a year for like not even like two chapters. And you're like, what happened a year ago? I, I don't remember anymore. You know? Yeah it, yeah. it it became really bad. And now I don't even touch the main story anymore because I. And forget what's going on now, right? It, it, it is pretty frustrating, like you know, when like like a story that you become invested in, like just like the, its pacing just slows down to like a crawl, and you're just like, man, this something that you had like a lot of hope, like uh, excitement for. You're just like, okay, I can't do this anymore. It it feels awful. It feels awful. Yeah, you probably get that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it, if oh, yeah. Grand Order had that problem. I mean, it, 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 think about it like this: like, uh 
if we're following how Japan is right now, like the the new story chapter for like the like the main story for that game in the global version won't drop till like probably the end of the year. <laughs> so I I believe that's how it goes. So I I believe, I, I remember this year will basically follow the footsteps of like having most of the year just build up to that chapter. It's like okay. This kind of feels like shit. <laughs> so <laughs> it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. I mean, I, I don't actively follow that. Game. I, I I only really log in for like to just like play the story chapters and that's it. I don't follow events anymore. I don't do any of that stuff. Uh, I, I don't know how people can deal with the gameplay. Uh, if look, they say that the story is the reason they get invested, in, there's no story updates. Look, man. Some people, even even on our Discord server, are very very avid fans and like are very loyal to like that game and keep up with it on a daily basis. I don't know how they can do it. But props to them. I I I'm just not built for that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't do it either. But yeah, that's kind of like what I think about it. I, I'm pretty positive about it. I just hope they just don't ruin it like what they did with the Lofu arc, sort of. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like my expectation mm-hmm. for the Honkai. You know? Nice. That's really what we've got for games we've been playing. We've got a lot of things uh, in the works for upcoming podcasts, but for this week, we had a chance to talk about those two games, so we took the chance and ran with it. And now we have kind of a a moderate news slate, not a huge number of announcements here, but a few um, kind of detailed news bits. The first thing we have here is about CD Projekt, specifically the follow-up to Cyberpunk 2077. Now, I remember at one point last year, uh, they announced three projects in a row, and I remember saying at that podcast, saying, like, I'm not going to get these projects named straight. And turns out, no, I, I don't remember exactly what all they're doing. But luckily, Adam, you wrote a, a feature up about basically just kind of a, a look at, a look ahead at what CD Projekt is working on, not only with the follow-up to Cyberpunk 2077, but, like, the Witcher thing, you uh, sequels and spinoffs, the, that, that, that project is, you know, underway. So maybe I'll just hand this off to you to kind of talk about what specifically was new this week versus just a reminder about stuff that has been previously announced but not followed up on? Okay, so you said last year, but it was actually October 2022 where basically ah. CD Projekt outlined their upcoming projects, and they announced a lot, and I didn't keep it. I didn't remember exactly everything they announced, so in the today in this week's basically update, I had to remind myself, what was it? What was everything they announced again? And let me get it straight. And honestly, my 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 write my write up my news write up on this is almost just like notes for myself. Like, let me keep this straight here. All right. So here's what CD Projekt is working on. Uh, I'll I'll go kind of in reverse order. One, they have a brand new IP called Project Hadar or Hadar. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, and we don't know anything about it. It's a new IP. It's not Witcher. It's not Cyberpunk. As far as we know, it's not some tabletop game. It's just a new IP. They announced it in October 2022. We don't know anything about it. Other than they said those basically... Yeah, Hadar, we know nothing. Yeah. Okay. Project Sirius. Now, this is in development at the Molasses Flood, which is a Boston-based studio that was acquired by CD Projekt a couple years ago. And this, we don't have a game name yet, but this is a quote... Innovative take on the Witcher universe telling an unforgettable story for his existing Witcher fans and new audiences. So, like, a Witcher spinoff, I guess. Now, the next one is Project Canis Majoris, which is the codename for the Witcher remake. And the Witcher remake is in development at Fool's Theory, which is a Polish studio, 
Uh, this is sort of interesting in that it's third party. It's not like a CD Projekt studio. It's just a different studio that basically is working with CD Projekt to make this game. Uh, they're actually the studio making uh, the Thaumaturge, which comes out in a couple of weeks. Um, so that's the Witcher remake. Then there's Project Polaris. Now this is the main guy. This is the this is more or less Witcher 4. It's not called Witcher 4. It's only called Project Polaris for now. But this is the one in development at CD Projekt in Poland at probably all three of their studios there. Um, they actually said that they're planning on this to be a new trilogy. And I actually went back and set, saw read what they said in October 22. They want to get three games out, I believe, within six years of each other. So what that means is one game would come out, and the next game would be out within like three years, and then the next game would be out within three years. So they're planning on getting another whole Witcher trilogy out. Um, and that's Project Polaris. And then here's the actual relevant uh, topic for this article that got an update this week. And this is Project Orion. Uh, so this is the Cyberpunk 20, 2077 follow-up or sequel. We don't really know. It's the, the continuation of, of Cyberpunk. It may not be the same characters. It may be a different take on it. Who knows? Now, this is in development at actually their North American studios. So this they have a studio in Boston, not the Molasses Flood, but a different studio in Boston, and then they have a studio in Vancouver, and these are the studios working on uh, Project Orion. And basically what they announced are some key staff uh, working on the game. Now, these these unless you're like in the industry, these aren't probably not household names. But for example, the executive producer is Dan Hernberg, who was production at uh, Blizzard Entertainment, Panic Button, Amazon Games. He worked on uh, Apex Legend, Diablo 3. Uh, the... Uh, a, uh, a director named Ryan Bernard, who was at uh, IO Interactive for Hitman or Massive Entertainment for Ubisoft. Uh, one of the writers is Anna McGill, Magill, sorry if I mispronounced your name. And she worked on Control, Dishonored, Av Avatar, Guild Wars 2, Fable. She does a lot of writing, I guess, and so on. You can read the post on it. Basically, they're just sort of staffing up for this project. It is, it is interesting in that Cyberpunk 2077 was developed really by a different studio. And this is a new studio doing the, the follow-up in America, in the US, well, in Cyberpunk, North America, so. Cyberpunk 2077 also took like, what, 11 years? <laughs> From its original teaser, yeah. Its original like yeah, I mean, teaser I, was like 2011. A lot of that was pre-production. Like, or 20, yeah. 2009. It was very, it took a long time. From the original yeah, I, teaser. I, I, I would have to imagine, you know, they, they've got like the, not the skeleton in place of what they want to do now with this follow-up. Can't imagine it'll take long. Yeah, certainly can't be like a disastrous launch like the original. I, I hope. I mean, I, I'm sure they've taken a lot of lessons learned from you know the launch, initial launch of Cyberpunk 2077. Hopefully, it, it launches on a much better spot, you know, and is it as you know disastrous as that first game upon launch? I'm sure they've taken a lot of lessons from the game, and you saw some of that with the Phantom Liberty expansion. Uh, pop quiz: Which one is Project Serious? Do you remember? Oh, that's the uh, oh, damn it! I remake. Cool. No, that's Cadence Majoris. No, that's damn a spinoff. That's a spinoff. The Witcher spinoff. <laughs> yeah, spin -off. it's the Witcher spinoff. <laughs> oh man, oh, that we so all failed the test. So, <laughs> out of all the games, there's only one of them that we have the title. That's the Witcher remake, which is Project Cadence Majoris. The other four, we just have a project name: Hadar, Sirius, Polaris, and Orion. All stars, I think. Mm. I guess is what these are. So yes, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I yeah. 
it's I, also i think it's also this 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 sort of announcement is also uh something of a of a a recruitment pitch they even say in the press release like you can go to the, see the job openings on our web page so it's not just for like consumers like us but for people in the industry it's like hey if you are an artist or a coder or whatever if you want to work on this and you live in the you know you know in the u.s hey we have some job openings on this project and you know what you're applying for so get the wholesome writer on it yeah <laughs> there we go. I, i'm gonna guess he's chinese though yeah wow they always get translated Well, thank you, Adam, for kind of detailing out all those projects that I'm still not going to remember the name of. I will remember that there is a follow-up, a new trilogy, a remake, and an unnamed new IP. I'm already forgetting what the fifth one was. What am I forgetting? Rebirth. Oh, side spin spin-off title. Yeah, whatever the spin-off title is. Uh, that the thing is that the first Witcher games, the first three, aren't like they're not really a trilogy in that sense. They're in like the same series. Maybe I'm splitting hairs and they do star the same character, but that's just the character from the books. It's not like super direct follow-ups. It's, it's not like when you go from the Witcher 1 to Witcher 2, it's not like, oh, yeah, it's, you're not building off of like what the Witcher 1 like um, established. Right? It's not like, it's not like that, Mass that, Effect that, or something. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to get to. So like, I wonder if the next trilogy will be a little bit more um iterative because for that one it was like a different engine each time and like it's kind of a different style of game now i have not played witcher 3 but i and i don't know if this is wishful thinking or if witcher 3 seems to set this up which i think it sort of does but i know a lot of people are hoping that witcher 4 stars siri i could say i I was thinking the spin-off might be a siri game oh but i'm I'm guessing at least one of them will they're kind of you're they're kind of a weird spot after witcher 3 We'll see. Yeah. The next set of topics, I'm not sure how much time we're going to spend on this. This is basically, we had the bespoke Sony state of play specifically for the upcoming Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. And this, of course, uh, we have our own published preview up on the site from someone who was able to have time with the game, Scott White. We have the trailer, the final trailer that was shown at the State of Play. And then we have just like the, the data dump of all the new characters, well, new and returning characters, the voice actors, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I literally saw, you know, everywhere on Twitter and our Discord, people are like, nope, not going to watch this trailer. Like, I know Square Enix. We've learned our lesson. Uh, they're going to. This trailer spoils a lot. I, I remember watching Maximilian, dude, and. He was like, "Oh, buddy, you can't spoil this shit." It just like walks and it, and, it, and, it, and it's not even the sort of thing where it's like, "Well, it doesn't spoil it if you don't have context." Like Square, I'll be honest, I've not watched this trailer, but Square like tends to go over that line far enough where like context or no, they show a lot. And it, this is a meaty trailer; it's four minutes. Like one of the parts in the trailer, it's like, "Oh, wait, 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 oh, okay, we're gonna spoil it for like, our whole like, audience uh, here." <laughs> you're like, hey, wait, this person's missing in this trailer. It's like, oh, I think that thing is going to happen then. You know, it's I like, I, you're I, 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 the whole whole game. <laughs> I can't believe they like, let, me, let me tell you. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> uh, let me do this. We're not going to talk any more about the trailer contents, but honestly, even, some of the stuff in the data dump said, is also a little bit like, I think people only want to be surprised by this. Child Ch- is like, let me tell you in detail, second by second, what happened in this final. Yeah, the timestamp was at two twenty-two in the trailer. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is definitely a final trailer for a big Square Enix game. That, I mean, it doesn't hold back on that. It, it, it's that it, there's a lot to think about uh, for, for those who dared to watch it, like me. Look, oh, it's okay. like, if you're... If you're a Final Fantasy VII fan, you don't need this trailer to convince you're gonna buy it. You know, I mean, I, 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 exactly I don't. I don't right. care about the Square Enix final trailers anymore. I'm gonna like probably enjoy the game regardless. So <laughs> I'm not gonna remember anything that happened in that fucking trailer, however many weeks from now. You know? I will say that on non-spoilery, when I scroll through the data dump and all the screenshots, the main thing that I do think is really nice to see is just how well realized everything is you scroll down and it's like here's Casa del Sol here's Gungaga here's Cosmo Canyon here's Nibelheim here's the Shinner Manor and they all just look like so well realized and well made and like they have a different appearance and it really feels like you're like it's like a, a globe trotting adventure yeah I, I guess we should be, we should establish there's two different treasures the final trailer and there's like the the in-depth rebirth gameplay video which I think is fair is fair game to like you know talk about because they show a lot of like really cool stuff in that gameplay video for like for for both people who have been keeping up with news on this game, and, pl- and for people who are like seeing this game for the first time, and it's like and it's like it's kind of like the whole complete package of like, okay, this is what FF Seven Rebirth is all about. I mean, about. the only thing I he- I've heard about FF Seven recently is something to do with yellow paint. I guess <laughs> uh, when you're climbing walls, there's yellow paint there. I mean, that uh, like people I'm, I'm people joking. freaked out. Yeah, yeah. We all I mean, we all know what yellow paint means this. now. <laughs> yeah. People freaked out about this about Resident Evil 4 remake. It's like, oh, they ruined the environment because there's yellow paint on where you can break things, right? And it ruins my immersion, and I can't believe they would do this. And then people like forgot that in the original Resident Evil 4 is really annoying to figure out what's what's breakable and what's not to find your shit in the original Resident Evil 4. Um, so I mean, I, it doesn't really bother me, honestly. But people will get mad at anything. Um, but I think I think the the gameplay video. For FF7 Rebirth, I'll show it at the state of play was really cool. And like what you were saying, Brian, was they went into like a, just a brief detail of like all the different regions that they, you'll be exploring and like just how how different uh, they feel in terms of atmosphere, in terms of like visuals and just like see a lot of like environmental variety and sites that you're seeing in this game. It, it which really, is, which is something that the first game, obviously yeah. based on how it was scoped, didn't yeah. really have. I mean, they did pretty well with what they you know. With the context that they had, like the sec- the slums looked very different from Wall Market, but you're it's still all Midgar. Or here, it's like, well, nope, that constraint's removed. Now we've got all these different biomes and areas. And anyone who's played Final Fantasy VII, like you know that this section of the game it really is kind of like World Tour time. So that's yeah. the focus of the remake as well. We have, I have also seen that we have a new guest on the podcast who who joined uh, that they were able to you know to wake themselves up. It's like, oh, all right. I'll just pretend that he's late because he was celebrating Lunar New Year. <laughs> yeah. And as far as you know, he was. Welcome back, James. Hello. Sorry about that. No I was worries, up too happens. late playing video games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that happens. So, yeah. yeah we the, just, we, I was just going to say, for James, we uh, we covered a few games we've been playing. We talked about, about Cyberpunk, and we're kind of, I think, wrapping up about Final Fantasy preview, state of play, gameplay stuff. Yeah, gotcha, I, yeah. I, the, yeah. I mean, the the big thing about this, aside from like the big gameplay video, like you know, you saw like uh, a ton of like fun uh, um, uh, mini games in it. And obviously, like you know, the the whole the the, the not spirit grid. I forgot what they were called in the thing, but you know, I mean, you have, like these little nodes that you can uh, find new synergy abilities on. I forgot what they called it. The the uh, what was it called? Folio. Folios. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
the the cool thing about that is like it's like it, it's a free respec. So like if you you can you can just initially you can just instantly refund everything that you put into it and like go spec out a different way. So I, I thought that was a really nice touch to it too that they mentioned about these folios. So you know if you want to experiment, go for it. Um, but also the the big uh, announcement of this was obviously they released the demo for FF Seven Rebirth, and it's like an unusual demo too because. It's out, you know, uh, it's already out on, on PlayStation, obviously, but they're going to later update it to more content. So the content of the demo right now is like the Nibelheim flashback, but then later on, like shortly before release, they're going to add like some parts of the Junon region to explore the open world. To is it, it Junon or Grasslands? Well, I believe it was Junon. Okay. Yeah. From what yeah. I remember, I could be wrong. Yeah, I believe it's Junon because it'll make it roughly a lot like the um tgs demo which had uh two uh, sections for it they had mm-hmm. the uh nibelheim uh, flashback um though uh playing the demo the uh the scope of the flashback you play in this demo is larger than the tgs one mm-hmm. and uh then there's a slice of uh the junon open world so yeah and, and the, the so the weird thing about this demo is that there'll be like some you know small goodies you can uh, uh, bring over to the full game uh, if you have like save data from the demo. You don't need to complete the demo or anything. You just need to have save data from the demo. But other than like getting those two goodies from like or those goodies from the the demo save data, like there's nothing that carries. Over. There's no progress transfers. No well, you can't. I, I I saw that like if you finish the Nibelheim chapter, you can just skip it in the main game. So it's like oh yeah, sort of that's progress. True, but, but yeah, to me that feels. I don't know. I'm just maybe I'm just weird. I was like, that just feels wrong because you're like kind of taking part out of these <laughs> something from the full game. You're taking it out. You're, you're just skipping it. a whole chapter. Yeah, you pre-read it. I mean, I get it, but I just like I I still would. No, I would still redo it in the yeah. in the retail release. That's right. I forgot the thing. I, there's a lot of details in that flashback. You know, they capture a lot of things in there, so I, I don't mind replaying that part again in the actual release. So mm-hmm. at least for me. But you know, game is still looking incredible. It, they they've sold me easily. I'm sure a lot of people liked what they saw in that. Just around the corner, it's you know a few weeks a few weeks away. The next news post, I think I'm going to hand off to Adam just because he seemed kind of emotionally charged about this, uh, <laughs> this announcement. It's an, it's, an, it's an announcement of a new uh, a new RPG coming out uh, slated to release for consoles and PC next year. Yeah, you guys, I hear that this game is from Final Fantasy and Tactics Ogre Veterans Uniting. <laughs> Holy crap, new. is this unsung story? <laughs> JRPG, <laughs> hand-painted. Okay, um, so we got this press release uh, from Artisan Studios. Uh, if you're not familiar with Artisan Studios, they are a French-Canadian studio, and I believe they have two games they've, re- they've, re- they've released. Uh, one is Super Neptunia RPG, which I believe Chow reviewed like six years ago or whenever that was. It was oof. Uh, and then uh, they also released uh, Astria Ascending a couple of years ago. Um, now, also oof. Yeah. <laughs> so here's, here's kind of the context. So I saw, we got the press release on this game, uh, and I saw, I think IGN had an exclusive on it, but the way that it was framed on like IGN and a few, actually I'm going to name them, GamesRadar, VG247, and Eurogamer, at least name four outlets, they were, they all had some variation of 
brand new RPG from Final Fantasy and Tactics Ogre veterans. One of them even said they're from a. It's from a game. It's from. It's a mix of Valkyrie Chronicles, which is my favorite series. Is Valkyrie Chronicles? Um, Valkyrie. Yeah, Valkyrie That's Chronicles. It. You've heard of it, right? Valkyrie <laughs> yeah. Chronicles. Anyways, um, and that's just like technically true, but it's extremely generous. So here's the actual announcement. Lost Helden is a game from Artisan Studios, a French develop, a French Canadian development studio, and they have hired, they've signed on to have music done by Hitoshi Sakamoto. Now, hopefully, if you're a regular to this podcast, you know who Hitoshi Sakamoto is. He's a pretty big deal. He's a composer, and he's done a lot of stuff, including Final Fantasy XII, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics Ogre. He's done Valkyria Chronicles. Um, I have to get a Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter shout out in there. He's done a handful of Vanillaware games. Is he doing Unicorn Overlord? I think. Maybe? Probably. I know. I know he did Odin Sphere for sure. Yeah, he's done a handful. Yeah, yeah, I know Bass Escape. You know, I think he did. Uh, oh yeah. So I think he did. Um. Uh, shoot. Yeah, Odin Sphere. That's right. Uh, yeah. Now the thing is, is he also has his company, which is like Base Escape. Yeah. And sometimes some bass escape com- compositions are attributed to him when actually they are different composers that just work there um, yeah. at that, that, uh, that, that studio. Um, but it sounds like this game is actually being composed and also just audio direction in general from Hitoshi Sakamoto. Um, so when these other outlets are saying Final Fantasy veterans are making this game, that's really what they mean is that it's a composer who has done some Final Fantasy stuff alongside a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> Um, working with this French-Canadian studio, which is cool. I like his music. Um, and then also they have an artist. An artist. Um, let me pull up his name here. Uh, Takeshi um, Oga. Yeah. Now, they some of these outlets, they describe this artist as a Final Fantasy XIV artist, but it seems like that's actually kind of like not what he's mostly known for. He did a little bit of concept art. (laughs) Yeah, he's mostly known for Siren and Gravity Rush, concept art. Not like, not necessarily character design or like main key visual, but just like, just general art for the game. And I'm not trying to diminish it. Artists are very, very important. But that's what he's actually known for, is doing art for Gravity Rush and Siren. So those two people, Hitoshi Sakamoto and Takashi Oga, that's what these outlets meant by Final Fantasy veterans, which is, if I was the, uh, if I was the studio for this game, I would advertise, hey, we have this composer and this artist. That's cool. But I wouldn't describe the game as Final Fantasy veterans are making this game. That's it's a frustrating headline. That's like that, that yeah, that's definitely there to drive traffic. Now, I haven't played Super Neptunia RPG or Astria Ascending, but based on just what I see, based on what I what Chow has said, maybe in a previous podcast a long time ago, what Quinton has said in his review of uh, Astria Ascending and just their Metacritics. Both these games have sub-70 Metacritics. I know Metacritic's not the end-all be-all, but just talking general reception of these games, it's not inspiring. Like, oh, so we have a new game coming from the studio that hasn't, it's kind of stumbled. They you could some... say it's kind of like a Tokyo RPG factory. I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, I guess. Oh. Um but yeah, I mean, the game, itself, <laughs> the game itself is Lost Helden. It seems to have, they call it hand-painted, and it actually uses a, a technology that they call Deep 2D, which they, but they, they, they just say deep, deep 2D allows you to play in 3D in hand-painted artworks. 
So it's some combination of like 2D art and 3D environments. And if you look at like the combat gameplay that they show bits of in this trailer, it is like a 3D environment um, with sort of a, I don't want to say cell shading, but it does have a more of an artistic look, not necessarily, you know, photorealistic or whatever. Um, and I mean, sure, I'm curious about the game. I'm more curious than I am interested based on the developer's pedigree. But yeah, I was, as Brian said, I was sort of emotionally charged seeing all these outlets calling it like a from Final Fantasy veterans. And I just thought that that's almost, that's, that's misleading at best and like not ingenuous, ingenuine, non-genuine at worst. So, so can I ask you guys to play the Grand Blue mobile game? They got nothing but Final Fantasy veterans on that. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, there Wait, you it's go. Got, it's got Umetsu and uh, Minaba, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those there are Final Fantasy veterans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the entire first arc has the entire soundtrack composed by Nobu. There's all the headlines saying uh, Final Fantasy veterans. Uh, I heard they made uh, a new Grand console Reelink. game. Grand Blue Fantasy Relink? Final <laughs> Fantasy veterans? <laughs> Where's the headlines on that? But yeah, being more serious, that, that actually sort of reporting just kind of irks me because it just it feels like either intentionally like misleading or just poor i just mm -hmm. had like such a terrible experience with like kickstarter back in the day when they keep advertising like certain oh, projects like, like on some project story phoenix. with matsuno or whatever yeah and there's project phoenix it's like oh it's like we got nobu matsu we got all these people and you're like then later on you're like where's the game it's like oh we didn't even have a programmer it's like what? <laughs> but, but also like sometimes it just feels like they don't it doesn't get them a lot like i remember when sea of stars came out and they said that uh, mitsuda was going to do parts of the soundtrack he did a few tracks, and then the main composer of Sea of Stars was Eric Brown, and this soundtrack is great. Like, yeah. it, and this, it just seems like you're just kind of hiding yourself under a bigger name, and I don't know if it was worth it. That kind of reminds me of the uh, soundtrack for the, uh, fuck, what's the name of it? Uh, Ukulele in the Impossible Lair, where it's like they kind of marketed the fact that the soundtrack had a bunch of like uh, the original, like rare composers working on it. But personally, my favorite songs from that soundtrack were the ones from the uh, in-house composer, right? Like uh, what's her name again? Uh, Platonic. No, is that? Yeah. Platonic. No. Yeah. Platonic. Was that Lena okay. Rain or whatever? No, 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 not, her. not, not her, not her. It was someone else, but it was, it was, it, it, yeah, it seems like a similar situation. then. <laughs> so are they using like David Weiss as like, Slout for the game for the Kickstarter or something, was it? Well, that's no, how it comes across, Impossible like, Lair wow, wasn't kickstarted, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, so anyways, this so, yeah, game's coming uh, out to consoles and PC in 2025. That's that's the other thing, is yeah, it's 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 far out, which is fine if I announce it that far out. It's just like okay, like this year is already packed, but we'll keep an eye out for on it for next year. Al is signing up to review it, I heard. <laughs> Yep. No, I'm not doing it, please. Uh, this next one is kind of a business uh, news topic, and it's about From Software's parent company, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this, Kadokawa Games. Kadokawa, Kadokawa Corporation. Corporation. Yeah. yeah. So they have uh, announced that they have acquired the Octopath Traveler series developer Acquire from Gung Ho. It's kind of a funny it's kind of a funny uh headline. They have acquired, they acquired, acquired. acquired. It's like what? Okay. Yeah, yeah, the name of the company is Acquire. Also technically uh, acquired, acquired. 
also technically a co-developer for for the Octopath uh, Traveler series. Man, I almost thought they were owned by Square Enix all this time. They collaborate, but they they are not owned by Square Enix. Now, actually, one thing about this that I didn't know, I didn't know uh, Acquire was a subsidiary of Gung-Ho. I, yeah, yeah, I forgot about the I forgot well, about the gung ho. Like that was done. I, I had to check. That was like back in 2013 or 14 when that was happened, and I just sort of thought of them as like an independent studio that just sort of contracted out to different publishers like Square Enix. But no, they were a gung ho studio, and now they are a Katakawa studio. And Katakawa yeah. is interesting because Katakawa people forget this, but they own From Software, and mm-hmm. From Software games like in Japan, they're not published by like because we think of them as like Bandai Namco here in the West. But in Japan, they're like self-published or like Katakawa published. They don't have that Bandai Namco kind of partnership. That's just for localization and overseas. Um, but yeah, that, Katakawa is the parent company of From Software as well as the parent company of Spike Chunsoft. They have but, yeah. a lot of cash. But like, what's sort of interesting is that... the entire anime industry. But yeah, Katakawa has a ton of media stuff too. Like, in fact, they have so much just media stuff that they actually divested their like internal studios a while ago, a couple years ago. Um, to uh, they like formed like Dragami Games, and this right. is where like yes. the studios that did like Relayer and God Wars ended up. Um, and that that's actually a reason why a lot of those games uh that were localized by NS America got delisted because they were um that licensing is sort of broken now because they Katakawa no longer has that those studios under them because they were divested and it's kind of all part of this web of ownership. Um, but they acquired a new studio, which is sort of interesting after that. Um, I don't know what they plan on doing. Like, I guess, you know, the, you know, acquire a studio to make a game, right? So I wonder what they want to do with that. I, 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 I have to also imagine that Acquire still has, like, the relative freedom to, like, collaborate with other companies, like, sort of like the Octopath Traveler deal of, like... I mean, Gung Ho allowed them to, apparently. Yeah, so... I don't even so, know what Gung Ho does other than, like... I, Ninjala? I mean, that Katakawa allows, like, say, like, from software to, like, work with Bandai Namco. So yeah. I imagine that doesn't change. It's not like they're caged off or anything. So I have mm-hmm. a question. Did that Dragon Quest HD2D, was that done by Acquire as well? No. We don't know yet. It had a studio it, name who I always forget. So on the original trailer, which was for Dragon Quest 3 HD2D, it had a studio name. It said, like, Asano Team, and then it had, like, a studio name whose name I forget. But if you actually go back to that trailer now, that studio is no longer there. Um, they like mm. changed the uh, the YouTube description. <laughs> it still says Asano team, I believe. Um, so which makes me think that they must have changed hands at some point. We don't know who's developing it. We're still waiting for that game to like show up again. Um, we are still give me a second. Like continue talking. I'll see if I can find <laughs> yeah, out yeah. what it was. Yeah, that was why it was yeah. a whole acquire project all this time, just because of Octopath. Guess it's not. No, Sun Stone. <laughs> I don't know. Acquire is such an uh, an interesting developer because they also like, the, like in the in the slide of like uh, about the acquisition, they also mentioned like Tenchu Four. That was like uh, it was developed by Acquire, but like the release of it in Japan was like handled by From Software. The 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 collaboration, there's been previous collaborations in between like the Katakawa now Katakawa groups. So there's like history uh, between them. But uh, Katakawa is. I just think, like, whenever I think about how big Katakawa is, I just think of, like, all the ads in Famitsu <laughs> issues, because it's just, like, tons of, like, like guides for games, 
That's like, and it's all like under Akatakawa's like umbrella. It's just insane. I'm trying to think what else, um, but. I was just thinking like this, this, this isn't like the same consolidation as what we've seen with Embracer Group over the last two no. months. No, I mean, Ka- Katakawa has like, <laughs> Katakawa actually has like, you know, the funds to do this, which is the. The, the they're not banking on they're not banking on us on a Saudi influx of cash. No, no. So they're already they're already established. Yeah, I mean, the, the, if the, if it was if it, if there was a similar situation, uh, there'd be a lot of layoffs from From Software, if not a like a dismantlement of From Software. If this was like Embracer, you know. Well, I'm. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say that would be like uh, what would happen. If anything, From Software would be like probably the one studio that would come out unscathed because they're the money maker and whatnot. But you would I mean, but they wouldn't be like unaffected. There would still be, you know, a ways to save money. It's like, okay, can we actually like we're we're comparing something to like yeah. it's like a completely made up situation that we're doing <laughs> right here. But yeah. I'm just saying that like if we're if we this was like a British situation, this would be from software wouldn't come out unscathed if this was a similar situation to from uh, whether we would hear of it or not is a separate matter, but they wouldn't completely come out unscathed if this was, if this was like Embracer, what I'm saying. So that, that's where I'm getting at. Um, and all, all the rest of the headlines this week are kind of just short updates, but I didn't, I didn't know if Adam was going to have one more update on this Dragon Quest HD 2D. I can't find uh, it, but the, the studio uh, name was called that is no longer there. Yeah, I... One thing I did find is that on the official Japanese trailer, it still lists the platforms as uh, undecided. So that'll be interesting to see. <laughs> so all the rest of these, like I said, are kind of standard updates. Here's one that's kind of interesting just because of how they named the patch. And Adam may be able to explain this. Adam reviewed last year a uh, strategy RPG. More like just a pure Wait, shut team, up. right? Jagged shut up. Shut up. I found it. <laughs> That, that. Amata KK was what the studio was listed as at one point. Amata KK, but it's no longer there. Mm. Anyway, I've never heard of that anything. studio in my life. <laughs> did, did you did you way back machine this? Uh, I actually remembered that Brian mentioned it a long time ago. Uh, I would have put this in the channel. We're gonna confuse. Holy crap! <laughs> uh, people are gonna be confused. Yeah. What I'm referring to here. Adam has tapped in Cerebro back. <laughs> I know, like, I imagine, like, a, a, a certain point, like, uh, Adam was like, a vision! <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, what are you saying? Uh, Jagged Alliance 3 is getting an update. They've named the update Larry. It's a good update name. Can you explain this? Well, okay. <laughs> does, um, that, does that mean anything? I think James is the one that covered this. And now, I know for Jagged Alliance 3... They had always planned on having like modding tools and being able to create like your own campaigns and things like that. They had always planned to do that, but it wasn't in launch. It like wasn't in the version I reviewed. And I know they've updated the, the game several times since launch last year. Um, so I wasn't sure if this was the update that basically added the uh, the full campaign modding or not. I saw that James covered it. Let me take a quick look here. That's that's what. Oh yeah, it says yeah. it says new extensive modding tools, create new campaigns, quests, edit maps, and much more. 
uh, customize the difficulty of each playthrough with new rules and other issues fixed. So yeah, this looks like basically the campaign creator, um, which if you, you know, some of these sort of tactics or like even some RTS games have these sort of modes where you can play the story that's in the game or you can kind of create your own, which is cool. And they named the patch Larry. Good patch name. Uh, the other update, we probably could have covered this back when we were talking about it, but uh, alongside Honkai Star Rail 2.0 update landing this month, uh, Hoyoverse has announced that Star Rail has hit over 100 million total downloads, and also it is now compatible with the Apple Vision Pro headset. Sorry, I can't afford that to tell, test you to tell you how good it is. Uh, you, you got, you got to, you got to reach out to your contact at Hoyoverse and say, "Hey, I will cover." You're gonna yeah. give us the yeah Apple yeah Pro. yeah yeah either give yeah let Hoyoverse like pay for it and give you one or or somehow convince Alex <laughs> to, to give you the funds to, uh, to for an Apple Vision Pro and you have to you have to test you've it already out got the deal you got to say hey a hundred million people have downloaded this think of the potential you have to go ride the bus ride a train uh, tell us how it is to ride or to play Honkai Star Rail and and um public transportation probably get hit by a car. I mean, don't right, don't 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 like drive while you're playing. Come on, you gotta be on a train or on a bus. I'm not saying for you to drive yourself while wearing an Apple Vision Pro. I'd never suggest that. I I saw a video, and I'm sure other people have seen it too, of some asshole like in a Tesla using the auto drive air oh, quotes no. feature That's while awful. also wearing an Apple Vision Pro, and it's uh... like I I feel I feel like. In, in some hypothetical world where I was a traffic cop, if I saw that, I wouldn't give them a ticket. I would just be like, hey, can I see your license? And then just like arrested, just off the road, so, off uh, the road. Yeah, it's, that's not great. I wish, you know, don't do that. If you're if you're planning on doing that or doing it, do not do that. <laughs> that's not no good. If you're going to get an Apple Vision Pro, you should sit on your couch and play Honkai Star Rail. There you she go. Not behind the wheel. There you go. Uh, we got a new trailer for one of March's biggest releases upcoming in just over a month, just under a month, uh, Unicorn Overlord. So a month, month and a half ago, we got uh, our first trailer that was underneath the guides called Commander's Guidance. I believe it was to Exploration, Joseph's Guide to Exploration. And I said, this is probably going to be the first in a series of videos. And yep, it was. Uh, this week, we got Joseph's Guide to interaction and this one i don't think was as interesting as the first and i'm i the first one i kind of got chided a little bit deservedly so for saying like this is like fire emblem when everyone's like no this is like ogre battle uh this one i'm gonna say it's like fire emblem again uh -oh. <laughs> this is they, they're calling it a rapport and rapport conversations and between two characters if they're in the same like party they can build rapport with each other or if they uh you know, have the, the meal system together. You can unlock conversations between them and it gives them stat boosts in battle. So it's kind of a, a support. It's and just like real life. It's so not even had like a, It's just like real life. We had a, you know? a they had like an info dump post, I don't know, several weeks ago, maybe even a month ago now, where they kind of detailed some of this stuff. Um, Josh posted it up and this is sort of just like the video version of it, or at least a part of it. Where it's like you can build rapport, you can go to taverns, you can get, make food. Um, this trailer doesn't even go into like the ritual of bonding or whatever it's called, um, like the marriage system or whatever. The not quite marriage system, but um, two things. I have two comments. One, this video has the English dub, where the first video had the Japanese dub, which is just sort of interesting. You want to see what it sounds like in English? 
Two, one thing I thought that was sort of amusing about this video is there's, it shows a little clip about one of the characters, one of the guy characters whose name I forget, speaking to one of the women characters who like doesn't wear anything. They just wear like like a bra armor and that's it. And he that character, he gifts her a tunic and she's like, wow, I love this. I just thought that was sort of funny. They're gifting clothes <laughs> to great. the woman who doesn't wear clothes. <laughs> Like uh, just telling her, put something wow. on. I don't know. Part of RPG is the less you wear, the more defense you have. I don't know why this is. This is what first comes to mind for me. I don't know why. Uh, I'm not sure why it's this game because there's so many different uh, examples of it. But I remember Suikoden Tactics. In Suikoden okay. Tactics, one of the armors you get is like battle bikini or something like that, and it's like the strongest armor. Like, yeah, we're less more defense. Ah, Persona Three got hit. Uh, Persona Three, the original <laughs> versions had that too. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know if it's like a fest thing or not, but um, <laughs> uh, uh, this is this game's less than a month away, if you can believe it. It's like a week after Rebirth. You're gonna uh, be done I'm with sorry, Rebirth. I've had to play both. I gotta prioritize. I, I I'm like determined to somehow complete Rebirth before this game. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I'm, you're gonna I'm play the demo and you're gonna skip the Nibelheim section. No, <laughs> no. And, and ah. then that'll buy you like an hour back. <laughs> an hour. <laughs> the uh, next update that we have was um, this is kind of a follow up to the look in that we got last week during the state of play for Rise of the Ronin. This is like a not really a trailer, but a behind the scenes video. Uh, they call this episode one, so very clearly going to be the first in a series for the development of Rise of the Ronin. And this one is pretty interesting because it's not behind the scenes in terms of like gameplay, just like distilling down the gameplay mechanics. It's literally shows um trying to point get the get the producer. Almost like a name. dev blog, which is cool. Yeah, it's like a it's like a dev diary and how you know this game takes place in I hope I get this right, eighteen hundreds Japan, nineteenth century Japan. Yeah, Bakumatsu. And yeah, visiting the uh okay, Fumahiko Yasuda who is uh, Team the boss, director basically. of Ninja. Basically, it shows him like visiting some of the uh, the historical locations, the, some of the characters that have been represented into the game, taking photographs and just, just talking about like what they were trying to accomplish. And it's, it's almost like a history lesson disguised as a game uh, footage. And it, I don't know, it's just, it's just interesting in seeing like what sort of would decide would determine why this game was made in the first place like why is this an interesting period of time what sort of stories can they tell here because of course it's based it's it's, it's historical fiction um well what's the word for that where it's ba it's based on true events yeah historical but, fiction yeah yeah okay there you go and there's a cool uh, part about so this behind the scenes that they're talking about how like this period of japan is when they basically their isolation ended and began to become more of you know a worldly country and you know mixing and trading with the u.s and whatnot and they talk about they wanted that to like influence some of the music as well so they had like they have you know their japanese orchestras and then they also did work with uh inan Zur and some like western orchestras also i just think that's cool that's mm -hmm. I, I, i'm really fascinated by the research of this game like even like uh when it comes to like the gliders uh like you know it's like it's one of those things like wow that's like you really clearly made uh made this stuff like to make uh, traversing the game fun uh, uh, more fun. But then they're like, no, the gliders design is actually based on Ikatsai Kunitomo's blueprint of Abikiru, which and Kunitomo's like an inventor and gunsmith of the late Edo period, uh, best known for having built Japan's first reflecting telescope. And then his invention of Abikiru is also believed to be the oldest airplane 
blueprint of Japan, it's like, oh, there's actually like, you know, based on history. Interesting, you know? Anyway, this game looks really cool, so I'm going to go sit in the PC waiting room. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's exactly where I was going with that, is like, all right. Because it's, like everything in the first part of the year, releasing at a crowded time, on a crowded day. Uh, We got the most recent quarterly financials from Nintendo, and the main thing for our uh, coverage here is that Super Mario RPG has sold 3.1 million units which I'm sure is, well, actually, I was going to say I'm, that seems like it would be above expectations, but I don't know. That's a guess. But Isn't that it is the, do very well. It, no, well, it's, it's selling probably. faster than 16, at least, probably. But uh, the, I, I saw on like a install base, which is like a, like a sales uh, game forum, sales right? date. Yeah, sales forum. Uh, basically, with these sales, it is now the second, uh, largest selling Mario RPG title only eclipsed by the original and it's probably going to outpace it eventually. Wow. Well, the original Mario so, RPG didn't release in Europe. Worth noting. But still, still doing very well. And I, I Adam, you, when you're like summarizing these, it, uh, Tears of the Kingdom is also above 20 million, which is insane. Breath of the Wild is 30 million. Like Breath of the Wild has sold like half million in the last quarter. Uh, like, yeah, I, I saw that Breath of the no. Sorry, I saw that like it just it's just kind of fun to see like th- to compare these sorts of different scales of games like Mario Kart 8, which is the best-selling Switch game for obvious reasons, but like in the last it it surpassed 60 million sales, 60 million. Jesus. And it sold like oh, 1 million. Number. It it sold like 1 million in the last 6 months, like several years after launch, and this is like a deluxe version of a Wii U game. Like yeah, just another cool million easy. I don't know where, where where they go for the next Mario Kart to be honest because it feels like like the Mario Kart 8 feels like the ultimate edition of a Mario Kart game that can be you can Well, they just get. not too long ago they released more DLC for it, yeah. right? Just yes. basically yeah. just more nostalgia tracks from earlier games. It was like it was like, it was like 40 plus new tracks or something for that that booster pass or whatever the track called. So it was just like there's just an insane amount of fucking content in that game. It's like I don't know what you do for her. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I feel about like new Smash Bros. Yeah, where I guess Sakurai, Sakurai is like putting a pause on his like YouTube channel, and it's like yeah, he's going back to Smash Bros. I'm like what else is there to do in Smash Bros? <laughs> that's how I feel. I feel like the next Game Smash Bros. has to have like it has to be different somehow. You can't just do the same thing again. But I don't know. Third person shooter. Hellbenders like. Foam <laughs> stars. Uh, Persona Three Reload, obviously just released in the beginning of the month, has sold one million copies. So it has officially become the fastest selling title in Atlas's history. That's that's crazy. A, a very small dampener on this news, not to take much away from it, but it's also the first like mainline ish Persona game that had a worldwide release. So, like, the starting gate was bigger, if you will, in terms of people buying it versus, like, say, Persona 5 Royal, which is staggered by, like, six months between Japanese and West or whatever. But still, very a very good accomplishment. It's almost hard to believe that not that long ago, not that long ago, it took Persona 5 Strikers, like, two years to get localized. Remember that? Oh, my gosh. And and wasn't 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 that also the first Persona game on PC? 
Uh, I think it was after, that was after, was that after four, Golden? It was one of the oh, first. Oh, it was, yeah, those those two were first. Okay. But still, I just like, and now it's, this and is now the first worldwide release same, Persona same game, game the first PC release, like simultaneous mainline Persona game worldwide. And, you know, hopefully that's the norm going forward. Now they yeah, just I need to get, the, now they just need to get Vanillaware on the PC. Yeah, yep. seriously. But like Vanillaware really is just like the one major holdout now because like we, well, I guess Falcom too, but like Falcom like (laughs) that's complicated, and we have them like we have like Kondo saying straight up that they want to release games day on day and date on PC, which is something. Well, they also need to work on the the whole localization play there. Yeah, Yeah. so it's just. Anyway, two things I think I think of uh, out of this announcement. One, uh, I- I'm really glad to see just the- all the recent JRPGs, big JRPGs, th- thriving despite uh, releasing in a relatively tight time frame. So you have like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, Persona Three Reload, easily reaching like a million, like and like has done like you know franchise record breaking sales um, in terms of like how fast they've sold to one million each. So whoever um, decided on the release schedule uh, at Sega. It's like, yeah, this is okay. They'll do fine. It's like, I guess you're a fucking genius. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see, like, if I remember correctly, not 2023, but 2022, like, that last quarter where, like, it was the same. I'm, I'm hopefully, I'm hoping not getting, I'm hoping that I'm not getting this mixed up, but the quarter they released, like, the Persona 5 re, like, port for other platforms and PC and Sonic Frontiers and whatnot. That was like the best Sega quarter in like years and years and years in terms of sales and revenue. This first quarter, you got Yakuza, you got Persona and Unicorn. Now Unicorn's going to be small fry compared to those two, I think. But still, like this is going to be a big quarter for Sega. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, you know, it's nice to see that, like, you know, Grambly, Grambly Relink as well was able to find success. Mm-hmm. In between these two major, you know, more well-known, um, or at least in the West, more well-known like RPG releases, um, and all of them seem to be doing, you know, just fine, which is awesome to see. Uh, I always love uh, when good games, you know, come out and do uh, all well. So two thumbs up on that. Um, two, I'm really interested to see how well Metaphor will uh, will sell later on in the year because that's a brand new IP, but has like big, you know. Persona veterans behind it, um, so I'm interested to see like what where their expectations are and uh, like will we see uh, another million seller uh, in that aspect from Sega? Like, I wonder if Metaphor has that enough of that, you know, I guess resonance in the community, to, like bring it up to be to be. A million I believe seller. Sega has said it. Sort of reminds me of Soul Hackers too. Sort of. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Metaphor is a new IP, and Soul Hackers is sort of a revival of an old IP, and whatnot. Yeah. But like, I know Sega has said that Soul Hackers Two was a little bit under expectations. Like, they wanted that one to do better than it did. Right. Um, now, I know this isn't quite the exact same situation. New IP, different developing like studio within Sega Atlas, but still, I'm. It's obviously got like the Persona team behind it, but I wonder how much t- pull that's going to have on Persona fans. Um, right. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, even even though it looks, you know, on its surface, like very much like 
different visually and aesthetically from Persona. It's, it still like has like some core systems that you know is built off of a Persona skeleton for sure. All the rest of the updates here are kind of in uh, chronological order for upcoming important dates. Uh, the first one's actually, as of time recording, from yesterday. The first DLC for Fate Samurai Remnant release, the PN Command Championship. I did watch the trailer for this, but it, like I don't have a baseline for like what was in the base game. So uh, there's a new um, there's a new uh, servant character, and there's like some, some new battle challenges. But I don't really I can't speak to them because I'm not familiar with the base game. Yeah, so I, th I think the, the the interesting thing about this uh, DLC from the trailer is that all the um... In the base game, there are only certain like uh, master servant pairings that like you got to control. So obviously, you had the like the the, the main duo that was playable for ninety percent of it. But then you had like some additional like mini chapters ostensibly where you could uh, uh, control others, but it wasn't all of them. So you could control assassin, you could control archer, you could control um, like Berserker. one other. Uh, yeah, berserker. Both berserkers. Yeah. But um, but you couldn't control like caster or um, writer, and it, it seems like in this DLC you're you're finally able to like uh, take control of them. Can you control uh, boss? I don't think you can I, control boss. Uh, so here's the thing: there there is a little mini teaser at the very end of that DLC trailer where like uh, boss seems to be like a summonable servant, like in, uh, like that can join you, like a rogue servant. Oh, I didn't look, look at this close enough. Yeah, yeah. So it, it looks like I was under the impression that it, this was just like boss's tournament, and he's just like. Come, let's fight. No, they're, they're, the boss definitely showed up as like as like an attack for like at the end of a trailer. So boss maybe uh, could be like a rogue servant deal as well. Um, but uh, you know, so it it makes it seems to be a DLC where like everyone is like sort of playable. But then the 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 big obviously for Fate fans, the big thing here is like Ibuki Doji is a servant that shows up in the Fate Grand Order, and then so she shows. Oh yeah, Ibuki Doji. Yeah, as like a yeah. I, so she shows here as like a, as a boss battle. So for fate fans too, like who are fans of her, she shows up in this game now in this DLC. I don't know. I, I don't know if she's playable, but she's definitely like a boss fight. On February thirteenth, we're getting the release date for Asalibra Revision Gaiden. This is is this the DLC that they announced alongside the Switch yes. version or around the yes. same time? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, correct. So, this so I know a few, a few of us here. The, the Cave of Phantom Mist. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, um, no. I, I didn't yeah. play the base game, but I'm not sure like those that have played it, like how excited are you for this? I'm very excited for this, but it's like it's such a busy, busy time frame too. It's like, oh, why was this a February 2024 release? It's like, could this be in April instead? Yeah, so this is interesting, right? Because this this, was, this post was made on February 9th, so a day before this recording, and they're like, yeah, it's coming out in four days, or like three to four days. What? Hello? <laughs> and, they're like, and, and, then they're, and then they already said like before, it's like, it's going to be like, you know, a casual, like what? 20 hours. Oh, like, like 20, 20, yeah, 20, 30 hours. It's like, uh... And, and this is... This DLC, this Sky Dead, you know, there was an original version of it, like the base game, but obviously it's been expanded, uh... uh do you know the success of the base game and plus like you know just thinking about like new features and making it the best it could be possible so it's um so like like we mentioned before the the main character is the baker's daughter and this one obviously will have like new systems moves new weapons new progression systems um and all that sort of stuff so i'm 
I don't know when I'm gonna get around to it. <laughs> I'll be honest. I want I want to play it as soon as possible. I don't know when as soon as possible is, is at the moment. <laughs> oh, right, I, gosh. I got you covered. Are you, are you gonna play it when you when it releases? Yeah, I'll play on release. Oh, I, I can't think of what to play during during this time after I've done you know like Grand Blue Relink and. And Persona Guide, so it's yeah. like this little small breather to get it in. But if I don't play it within the small breather time frame, then I'm screwed. Then all the so, big so, releases will come out. After yeah, that. so here, I guess the thing here is like this is, the, this is the release coming on Steam. The Nintendo Switch version will come later, so it won't come out on February 13th. That'll be at a later time. Um, and like for me, on like scheduling, like I'm on a, a certain assignment right now. Um, and then after that, Maybe I'll get around to this because I also wanted to like start. I don't know if I can start Persona Three Reload too because like Rebirth is around the corner as well, and then uh, and then after Rebirth, it's gonna be time for Unicorn Overlord. And then maybe after Unicorn Overlord, maybe it's like maybe that'll be safe. I don't know. No, you won't be safe. It, you know, you'll get Saga. Oh uh, no, but out. Saga's April, right? So think of the, I'm, I'm trying to think of like the the month of March. Is there anything like well, middle to late March? Dragon's Dogma at the end. Yeah, there's yeah there's and Rise of Ronin, the Ronin and the uh, and Princess Peach uh, Showtime on the same day as Rise of the Ronin <laughs> and Dragon's Dogma to both. Yeah, we're totally screwed. Okay, so mid March seems to be a safe time frame if like I'm a god gamer. Good thing that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta prove it. Uh, you're right, I guess. Just, just gotta, yeah. just gotta get through Unicorn Overlord and Final Fantasy VII Rebirth in time to uh, be able to play this DLC before Dragon's Dogma Two and Rise of the Ronin. Yeah, Simple. And, and then somehow Persona Three Reload is in there somehow too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you see, this is this is why I just like decided like early on since I haven't played like a Dragon Seven yet. It's like. I'm just not going to play it at lunch. I'm just going to wait until it's on sale. I'm going to play it like in fall and just mm-hmm. make sure I play mm-hmm. it in time for like game of the year deliberations because there's no way in hell I'm going to get it like be able to fit it in at a reasonable time frame. I just had to like punt. <laughs> you know, we all have to make, you know, sacrifices in our life. Get it. On February 14th, on Valentine's Day, we're getting the Wolong Fallen Dynasty collaboration with Lies of P. I thought this already came out. Me too. Uh, so this is the uh, this is the uh, Lies. This is the Wolong in Lies of P collaboration. We already got the Lies oh, of P not the, in not... Wolong collaboration. Oh, okay, You're okay, okay, okay. So this is the Tekken X Street Fighter. We already got yes. Street Fighter X Tekken. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so you can dress up as like a Wolong character in Liza P now if you want. Awesome. So when I get around to Liza P, which I haven't gotten to yet, so somehow I mean, you're you gonna know, fit that in before uh, <laughs> Unicorn Two, right? <laughs> Obviously. Also, you could play as your Wolong cameo. <laughs> but no, uh, it's 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 fun to see interesting pairings collaborate i, I love I that know. collab to be honest like it's just so out of nowhere that i love it like i i, I it's so 
and it's it's kind of it's kind of uh heartwarming in a way yeah where like these developers these korean developers making liza p were just like we love team ninja we wanted to do a collab with team ninja so we just asked can we do a collab and we did so, so that's just got awesome. yep Uh, the next date is that we're getting a, well, not we, in Japan, a demo will be releasing for a uh, new Nipponichi title, Bar Stella Abyss, coming out for Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 4. It looks interesting. Okay. I, I think I'll probably download this demo and like give it a shot to see whether or not I make time for it later this year. <laughs> I have accepted this. <laughs> so there is no formal English announcement. In Japan, the game is coming out in full at the end of the month on the 29th on Leap Day. And then uh, the I know demo that, was just releasing on the 14th. I know but, that like a lot of like NIS Japan titles don't get picked up for like localization or take a while, but... The one good thing about this is that since this is ostensibly a tactical RPG, at least partly, that means that it will be localized in a relatively uh, timely manner because that's uh, that's the one genre that like it's NIS is bread and butter and NIS yeah, so America it, definitely. It's, a, it's one of those things like if it's like a VN from this, it's like okay, this is like a eighty twenty percent shot. Eighty percent, uh, it's not it's not getting localized because usually VNs from this never really come over. But if it's like, yeah, RPG, it usually I personally, I hope that one puzzle game that they were um, that they're working on. I'm not sure if it's released yet or if it's still upcoming gets localized because it looks interesting. Which one was that? I don't. Re- Let me just check real quick. I saw <laughs> I saw their Twitter account like posting about like a pre-release tournament for the uh, for the uh, puzzle game. Like a few months ago, let's see. Okay, uh, uh, you, you may iro uh, I don't. So when does this oh, okay, come okay, out? Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, you may iro So that's yeah. Okay, I remember this game. Like, I looks don't... neat. All yeah. I remember is sort of the key art of like a pixelated like girl with yellow hair. I think blonde hair doing puzzles. Something like that. Maybe I'm thinking as you do. Yeah, Barcelona Abyss coming out in Japan at the end of the month. No announcement of localization, but there will be a demo. Uh, It's launching at some point this spring and having a demo now available as part of Steam's Next Fest. We have Terra Memoria, which is described as a cozy turn-based RPG. So that one has a demo available now. And it has like an isometric, almost like a classic trails sort of art style to it, in terms of the way the sprite work looks. I, I downloaded two Steam Next Fest demos that I haven't been able to like get to yet because I've been working on an assignment. Like I have that, uh, I have both Terra Memoria and Sort of Convalaria that we discussed uh, a few podcasts back. Uh, I just haven't had time for them, but uh, mm-hmm. ciao, make time for that. Make time for the Sort of Convalaria thing that we <laughs> talked about. <laughs> No, I need to finish this relink guide because I've feature creeped it. No, oh, yeah, did you get all, all the crabs on it? Oh, I have changed from screenshot to video clips now. But did you get it? But the, did you get all of them though? Uh, not yet. But uh, I have decided to replay the game on PC now. So I'll catch up in no time. Uh, when, I I, when I get around made... to playing this game, your guide better be finished. That's right. <laughs> oh Jesus! 
Starting tomorrow. I was like, I'm downloading it right now. It's like Adam, it would be the superintendent, and I'll be Principal Skinner. It's like. <laughs> Uh, in on February twenty first, that's when the open beta for Final Fantasy fourteen on Xbox begins. Uh, the key headline here that's been shared around in multiple places is that maybe James or Chow is this a hundred percent confirmed that the full game will require the Game Pass Basic in order yep. to access the yep. online feature. Uh, so it says that okay. right in the post. So basically, the game still has a free trial, um, and if you get the free trial, you don't require any subscription. But if you want to go past that, so what's that? Past Stormblood? Yeah, it's then past you need Stormblood, the, then you both need a a, yeah. a Final Fantasy fourteen subscription, I, and if you're playing on Xbox, you need a Game Pass subscription. It's like, and, like realistically, well, I'm, first off, this is bullshit. No matter which way you slice it, but realistically, if you're playing on an Xbox console in this day and age, you probably already own Game Pass, so it isn't going to impact very many people that are going to be interested in playing this, but it's still real. It's a really bad look that you don't need PlayStation plus to play a 14 online on PlayStation, even if you're playing the expansions, but you do need to pay a separate subscription fee to play like the, the game that if you're past the free trial on Xbox, yeah, that's good. Also, to sign up for this beta, you need to be a fresh player. You can't yeah, on that. Oh yeah, played before. I, I very dumb. I, I wonder if that's not by design. I wonder if it's a self way of them trying to get an idea of exactly how many people are going. They're going to gain from releasing on Xbox, which I I do wonder. And this is maybe this is being a bit pessimistic, but considering everything that happened last week well this week i'm not sure if it's being too pessimistic i wonder how long this port is going to be supported is it going to be two expansions is it going to be three i i don't know is it, is, don't. it is it possible if it's one of those things that like eventually down the road they they drop support xbox series s but not x uh they limitations I don't think they would do that, uh, okay. specifically because um, <sighs> I, I'm just thinking about like how they drop support for like previous gen consoles, right? Because of, yeah, like, yeah, technical limitation. Well, I don't think it will be dropping support. I mean, they still support the PlayStation Four. I mean, well, they, they said that. that they said that Dawn Trail was going to be the last uh, expansion that supports PS4. Yeah, they're sunsetting PS4 soon. Yeah. Which makes sense, you know. I mean, yeah, those that's aging hardware. I'm just thinking about like, you know, I, I know that the Series S hardware is still, you know, it it, it is uh, still still a step back compared to like what PS5 and Xbox Series X. I guess where it matters, the CPU is about equivalent with the Series X and the uh, PS5, so that's something. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Yeah. What yeah. was that other thing they stopped doing? They so stopped supporting Direct X Nine, was it? Or something? Yeah, that makes sense. I believe yeah. they said that with Dawn Trail, they're adding in a DirectX 12 renderer with some uh, alongside the uh, graphics uh, update. Really trying to push out the people using old hardware. It's time to upgrade your PC, guys. Look, if you look at the minimum specs for Dawn Trail, Maybe maybe this is out of line, but if your PC doesn't meet the minimum specs for Dawn Trail, 
you probably should have upgraded your PC a few years ago. <laughs> nope, sticking with the PS4 version forever. <laughs> and the very last headline that we have here is that East Memoir, the Oath and Felgana, this is like the remaster with new portraits of East Oath and Felgana that released on Switch in Japan last year. It will be releasing on PlayStation 4 and 5 in Japan this year in May. And still no word on whether anyone's going to pick this up for for localization. If Don't know if that's tied into old Exceed uh, agreement or, or what. I, I think I'm the sure whole reason they probably don't want to redo it, because this game also features like full voice acting. like Everything has been kind of redone. Like, I don't know, in the Japanese side, like, oh, everyone talks now. Even yeah. Abel talks, so... You know, I, I think this is the best version of the game like, from what I played. So, you know, I, I just think that maybe Exceed, you know, they probably had to bring back all these actors and had to do all of it if they want to localize this. So maybe they don't want to touch it because, I don't know, it's probably some messy situation, I guess. Oh, I have an idea. Sure. You should offer to voice Adolf for them for free. I would offer... Any video game voice acting for free. I'll even do it for <laughs> for Ace of Twenty for you. You want voice acting? Voice. <laughs> I didn't realize you had played the remaster. Is remaster the correct term for this? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, okay. You know, I mean, it's, the yeah, same it's pretty game, much really. Ozan with new art and turbo mode and music selection. You could select uh, the old version of the soundtrack if you wanted. Yeah. You know, so I still think turbo mode in this game is. A funny addition. It's like, why would you want a turbo mode? You're gonna get <laughs> fucking so murdered already. <laughs> You're gonna get fucking murdered. It's like there's a million projectile. I'm gonna fast forward. You basically get like two shot. In this I, I want to see so. someone beat uh, the strongest foe or whatever his name is on turbo oh, mode. Oh yeah, easy. Oh, you go to the pho restaurant, the strongest pho. I, uh, I, I'm trying to remember the final boss's name. It starts with a G. Anyways. I don't know. Yeah. This memory shoots uh, a lot of fireballs. It's a demon. They should, it's, 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 it's a lot of like bullet hellish dodging. To I, think it's, uh, I think that's the greatest final boss Falcom has ever designed. In yeah. My I know people who share that exact ah, opinion yeah. who are basically yeah. like, it must suck to be Falcom and have to try to one-up Isos and Falgana final boss because they <laughs> haven't done it yet. No, I, I, I will say, I will say the East 10 final boss got pretty close. That That was a damn good final boss. Yeah, yeah it's actually one of my favorite, but I still prefer <laughs> the strongest foe. They should uh, add a uh, three times turbo mode to East One, and then do the dark fa- fact boss fight. You know, how I, you know how I beat dark fact is I just keep going random on nightmare and just hope that he dies. That's it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think don't that's how it any, is. <laughs> I don't have any strategy yeah. or patterns on how to beat him. I just move at random and just pray that he dies. It will yeah. eventually work in like an hour. Demented yeah. ass uh, DVD screensaver boss. <laughs> that that that's just how dark fact is. He's literally that the personification of that like yes screensaver for yeah. It's like uh, the DVD logo bouncing around the screen. Yes. Well, that covers us for all the news posts. I think did you did you skip uh, the me. Spike Chunsoft? Sales? I, I was going oh, yeah. Did, I was going I, I was going oh, to ask right. earlier because I was like, well, well no, nobody I, else has mentioned I, it. So. I I very commonly skip stuff and then i go back to it usually like i did earlier this podcast but i must have forgot on that one so anyways uh 
Sharon the Wanderer, um, The Mystery of Serpent Coil Island, released in Japan. And it has sold just in Japan 200,000 units, which is pretty good. It's the fastest selling Sharon the Wanderer ever, and it's on track to uh, beat out the. Uh, best-selling like single skew of it, any of their uh, any of the series games in japan because it's very su- like uh supply constrained mm. so this is good news because it means that we are definitely going to get a sure the wanderer 7 and also it might uh it might give them leverage to say hey you should make us uh shoot you should let us make another pokemon mystery dungeon because very clearly this uh type of game is very popular in japan now Sharon so, fans have been starving for a new Sharon game for a long time. Yeah. It's like, like I said a few weeks back when I was playing through Sharon 4, I found out, wait a second, what do you mean Sharon 4 and 5 came out the same fucking year? It's like, no wonder sales might have fallen off a cliff if they were releasing them so quickly, like next to each other like that. But yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how well, because it's releasing by, uh, at the end of the month uh, in I, the West. I, I hope I'm wrong. It's going to bomb in the West. It's going to bomb in the West. It's, it's just... It's, 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 it's a bad time to... I, I, I say it's a bad time to release games, but then you have recent releases that like have um, sold yeah. really yeah. well. I don't, yeah. know how, I don't know how that'll translate to Shiran. Yeah, but, yeah. You know. It's like, if, if I was going to be charitable, I, I was convinced that Relink was going to bomb. I did not expect it to do as well as it's done in both Japan and on PC. So it's like, okay, we got the good ending for that three-way showdown where all three of the like uh, late January, early February uh, RPGs have managed to do well, which is a goddamn miracle, honestly. But I don't think that Sharon the Wanderer can square up against Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and come out on top. I don't see that happening. Uh, it's just one of those. It's like uh, maybe no one has any money left after that, and they, they're saving all, all their mo- their remaining money for F seven rebirth. <laughs> so, so, so my friends, like, yeah, I've like spent like fucking three hundred dollars on video games like the past <laughs> X amount of like time frame, and there's too many games. I'm like, yep. yeah, yeah, count me yeah. in that same boat. I bought <laughs> both for the limited editions for Unicorn Overlord <laughs> and the Persona Overlord. I... Yeah, I'm. I I need to put my pre-order down for the limited edition for PS5, though. Uh, waiting for Envoys to go through, but yeah. Uh. All right, now I think that's everything. Unless I miss anything else. What the, what's up uh, for next week uh, in terms of like releases? Uh, Dragon Quest Builders for PC. Hell yeah! yeah. That's Libra. The DLC. one they just announced. Not yeah. Too. Yeah, and then uh, the Don't Nod Don't Nod game comes out. Before the, I think we I think it comes out before the end of next week. Yeah, thirteenth. See, we're, we're recording yeah. this on the tenth. It's coming out on thirteenth. So yeah, Manager we're talking about that. Mm-hmm. And then it's probably going to be pretty regular new release cadence as we've drilled down and beat that horse dead for the next several weeks. But yeah, all of the news posts that we talked about, including the CD Projekt current status, the all of the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, final information from that trailer. Again, spoiler warning on those are up on the website at rpgsite.net. You can find RPG Site on all the social media platforms. Just search for RPG Site and you should be able to find us. Uh, didn't give these a shout out yet, but of course, uh, all the recent games Persona 3 Reload, Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, and Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth 
Uh, we have obviously the reviews and the coverage for those games in terms of guides up on the site as well. So go ahead and give those a look at if you are currently playing through those. Uh, and leave us a comment if you're following those guides and they're either helpful or you found something that needed clarification because we're always uh, willing. Uh, we like to see if they've been helpful or if there's anything that we need to tweak or fix. We're always willing to jump right on that. Uh, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the TetraCast. Uh, also, join our Discord, discord.gg slash RPG site. But until you hear from us next time, stay safe and take care. We'll talk to you all later. Now I have to describe the FF7 Rebirth final trailer in detail.